All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Friday night. This is Orion Rising. I'm your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. Okay, so Alien Interview, Roswell, New Mexico. Welcome. There's my ugly mug. 1947, part 20. That's crazy. We've already been doing this for 20 weeks, and I think I missed a week in there, didn't I? No, well, we did, but it's because we didn't talk about the uh, interview. So it's really 19 weeks of the interview, right? <laughs> That's insane. Please share this out, share this out, share this out. It's Friday night. Um, I don't share stuff anymore. I've been shadow banned. So every time I try to share, I get put in jail, which means I can't go live. Right? So uh, it's hard for me to share these days. And uh, that diminishes the amount of reach that I have on these two uh, fascist platforms. I still use them because there's people here that actually do still find my content here, even though I'm on all other platforms just about and I have better ratings there. I still go live here. Um, eventually, I'll be off here, and I won't go live here, and then you guys will just get the archive video after it's been posted. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't go live on my MP3 file, and I probably should just do that instead of all of this because I don't usually show that many uh, uh, pictures anymore unless I'm interviewing people, which I do have a bunch that I've lined up, but I just haven't scheduled uh, because I'm not quite sure if I want to continue to do that, right? That's why we created the Wednesday show. We went to uh, creating uh, Skull Island uh, for for the for that show. And in fact, I have the banner here. Let me show you what it looks like here. Bang! Look at that. Right? Isn't that cool? Those of you who are on the MP4 file, you don't see that. So the Wednesday now Wednesday show is going to be myself, Aaron Fowler, and uh, and Miguel de la Pena from Brazil. And the three of us decided that we like the pirate cast. Right, Skull Island. So um, we we did Wednesday. We we kind of launched it without really any kind of um, fanfare. We just did a soft opening last Wednesday, uh, and uh, we had a really good time. Well, at least it seemed like it. Everybody seemed like they were having a good time. We did three hours on there, and uh, Aaron came in a little bit late, and left a little bit early, but that was because we didn't have it planned. I just said, "Hey, let's do it." So he made some memes for us, right? So we have that to look at. That's going to be cool, right? And there's another one I haven't downloaded yet. Um, uh, or uploaded or downloaded haven't downloaded the, the other one but i liked that one with the purple it's really cool so we'll be using that up in the as the brand up here in the corner probably unless uh uh you know oh no it's the background sorry unless um unless aaron says uh oh no i don't want that one here's the other one it'll be up in the corner where my logo is do you see it up there right above here right above my finger <laughs> i like that one and I like that one. This one's hard to see up here, so I, I'm going to use that as the overlay in the background. But this will probably be the one that we use as our logo up here uh, because it's easier to see unless Aaron likes to likes the other one. And then I'll have him make a, a, a smaller or a bigger meme to where we can put it up there and it'll show up there. Okay. So that's going to be cool, right, guys? You guys should take a look at that. Hi to all you guys that actually said hello to me and the Denise and Quee and Reese. Hi. You know, so like I said, share this out, share this out, share this out. Uh, we're going to get right into, I think, the... Um, the show, right? I know. See, you like the, the Wednesday show, right? We had a good time. I know, and they look good too. I like the logos. Those are Aaron uh, invented those. He has, you know, one of those uh, um, apps to do that stuff or a program to do that. Uh, so, he, you know, it was funny because uh, uh, Miguel said to him, "Well, you're the graphics designer." He says, "No, I have a program that I can design things graphically, but I am not a graphic designer." <laughs> right? So you did good. There's Miguel now. Howdy, what's up, brother? I was just talking about uh, the logos. I don't know if you've seen them. Did he sh send them to you? Let me put these back up for you to take a look at, uh, Miguel. Uh, this one I really like. Look at this. Oh, that's up in the wrong place. Hold on. Let me put it here. 
That one's badass. The other one I can't pull up here because I didn't load it here, <laughs> right? Uh, but I like that. It's really cool. That's what Aaron uh, invented. And then if you look where the logo goes up the top uh, right-hand side of this of the screen over here, let me turn this off, you know, over here, right there, that that one is really cool too. I don't have it loaded to show you on the big picture uh, yet. So, uh, so the, but that one is up there right now for you to see. And if, and if you don't like those, Miguel, let us know. And I'll have Aaron, uh, you know, work on some more stuff, but he just worked those up and sent them to me. So I just loaded them just to see how they looked and, and, uh, decided to show it to people. So yeah. Right. Okay. So Miguel says fucking awesome. Okay. So I like that one as the background. Uh, and the other one, if I put it up there, uh, if I put it up here, you can't really see it because it's there. I got to get my hand right with the back backwards here. Everything's backwards, right? Uh, when it's up here, the purple one, you can't really see it really well, but you can see the other one really well. So we'll, I think we'll use the purple one as the overlay in the background, so people will see that. Like when we come on, we'll have that up, right? So when we so when we first start, it'll be this guy, like that, right? Without the please share there, and that's how we'll start the show, and then we'll go to our guys' pictures. We'll pop us in there. Right. And and uh, go from there. Right. So that'll be fun. I think it'll be cool. So you guys might want to tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. U.S. American time or West Coast, West, West Coast, North American continent time. And on for, on Wednesday uh, and you'll see us doing um, that show and our topics will be whatever we want to talk about. I think think the way we're doing it is uh, yeah Pacific time. Thank you, Miguel. Uh, I think what we're, we're doing is all of us just like come up with our own. Uh, thing we want to talk about and then we're going to do a round table and then go from there and then we'll have talking like we do taking questions from the audience and running with that and doing what we're doing right 7 p.m eastern miguel's over there going he's giving me uh, uh, commercials on the chat <laughs> facebook good going buddy way to go so uh so yeah i think that's going to be cool we had a blast uh we want to take that forward to talk about everything anything everything we might even uh you know quantum universe right uh, yeah, that'd be a good topic, bro. Bring that. We'll we'll talk about that. Because uh, you know we we want to talk about everything in there, uh, and that's what Aaron's idea was was, uh, you know, no no holds barred and and uh, nothing is untouchable. We just have to make sure we you know take care of the algorithm, right? Uh, and uh, otherwise, we're fine. Okay, so we so let's get into the alien interview because we're actually getting to the end of it. Uh, we're at three hours, and hold on, you look down my bifocals. Three hours, 43 minutes into a four hour and some change uh, video. So we might be um, right. I know Miguel says, yo, ho, ho, a bottle of rum. I know, right? That's, I love that. I, I'm, th- I'm going to see what we can do about getting some sort of piratey sounding um, intro music. Uh, you know, maybe we can find that song on a, on a you know, a free domain uh, where because it is, you know, it, it wasn't written just for like the movies it was already around it's been around for for who knows how long thousand years or so where they where they sang that song so maybe we can get the, that for on a on a free thing somewhere and put it up or just some piratey sounding music right to intro with that'd be kind of badass i think we'd have fun with that and even maybe we could put a video together of like that i don't know i'll figure it out i'm really good at doing that making videos of of things and adding music to it so maybe i'll do that and come up with a couple of things and shoot them to you and uh, aaron and see if you guys like them and then see if we'll use one of those as an intro uh, for the show. We're not too long, but, you know, just something to where they get the taste that, you know, this is, this is, you know, pirate podcast, right? Pirate cast from Skull Island, right? Skull Island, the pirate cast. So um, I, you know, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And where Betty's giving the time 1809 CST, right? Yeah. What is this? What is it? Zulu? Is that, is that Zulu? No, huh? 
uh, Zulu's plus seven for me, or because we did the time change, it might be plus eight these days. Um, right for the uh, uh, Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> right? I always tell people that it's it's you know L.A. time or you know uh, minus seven Gren, uh, Greenwich Mean Time or Greenwich Mean Time. I always say that wrong. But I think it's minus eight now because we set our clocks back an hour and I haven't actually updated to see if that's the case. Right. And I have a cat in here in the uh, office with me over here. Um, he's over here wigging his tail at me and petting me with his head. <laughs> over here wanting me to touch him. Okay. So, uh, right. There was, there, uh, you know, qu- you know, uh, quotes, air quotes with my fingers. The government claimed there was never anything but a swamp gas reflecting off of Venus or you know, or a um, of an air balloon well, that went down over Roswell, New Mexico. Yet, here's an actual alien encounter, an alien inter- uh, alien interview. Well, it's not really an interview because there's no real questions being asked. It's just answers, or it's just being told by the alien. Uh, and uh, you know, she calls the 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 group that she's with the um, Domain Expeditionary Force. But we pretty much figured that that's the the Orion Confederation or the Orion Crusaders, the Orion Group, the evil uh, invaders from Orion uh, that have come here to take over this planet and the entire known universe. I mean, we believe that um, they are their their god is the AI god that's driving them, and some of the people don't even know it. So. I think that that's a lot of what's going on is that people within their own expeditionary force, a space opera, these are her words, by the way, Errol, the alien. Um, I think that some of them don't realize that they're working for the AI God, um, which is crazy. So it's part of the temporal war. And of course, she's not talking about that, right? Um, which is okay. So um, I'm actually pondering. I've been getting... I've been getting a lot of information from my guides pushing me in a direction that I've been hiding from uh, the world. And a lot of us have for a long time. I'm not quite sure why now uh, uh, this is completely has is off this topic, but it isn't. Um, I have dedicated my life to prophecy from the second I understood what prophecy was when I was a little boy until now and the hunt thereof just like UFOs, just like spirituality, just like uh, mythology, just like history, military history, all these things that I've studied my entire life. And I know a ton, a ton, a ton of prophecy that, in fact, Nostradamus's actual prophecy actually translated, which you cannot find a copy of and haven't been able to find a copy of in this country for more than 30 years. Okay, I got a copy of it when I was... I don't know, 15, 14. It was in the early 80s, right? So in 87, I would have been 20 because I was born in 67. So that tells you it must have been 81, 82, somewhere around there, 83 maybe. Uh, and my buddy was looking at one of those magazines, and it was like a guns and ammo magazine or National Rifleman or one of those. And on the back cover, the back page on the inside, not the outside, but the inside, they had ads to pay for the magazine back in the day. And I don't know if they still do that. I have those magazines, but I haven't looked at the back pages. But that's how they they funded the stuff before people started donating money uh, to them. And the commercialism, of course, got them more money. That's not important. So they had ads there, and there was an ad for the actual translations of Nostradamus. And my buddy took cut out the ad and mailed it in. This book came wrapped in brown paper bag, right, that kind of material, was wrapped up, but so it was sent by another person, not a corporation. And it was a brand new book. And he read it and said, Oh my God, Leo, you have to read this. I read that 
and we've been checking off everything historically but the the reason that i hadn't told anybody and there's a lot about the temporal war and prophecy that we don't tell people is the truth is this just like master yoda said in the movie the future is not actually set because we control the narrative so things that are seen are are things that are warned about and if you pay attention to nostradamus in the beginning before Nostradamus talks about any prophecy and makes it very cryptic, by the way, because he was he would have been killed for and eventually died because of that anyways. But the the Nostradamus himself said, these are not things that are certain to to happen. These are things that I see can happen in the future and they can be averted. Everyone never reads that, so they don't even know that, and they take that out. And every time Nostradamus says anything, everyone's like, well, eventually on a long enough timeline, that'll probably happen. So he's an idiot and doesn't know what he's talking about. The truth is Nostradamus was trying to warn the world so that those things would not happen. Okay? Not trying to say to people, these are the things that are going to happen no matter what you do, and we're all going to die. Right? Again, free will. Right? Right? So, so the future isn't set in, not set in stone in any way. It can be averted. And I'll give you an, an example that most of you on this planet are unaware of. Okay. And you'll probably, some people will say, okay, you can say that and, and it doesn't mean shit. Right. All right. But I know this, the timelines of the beginning of the third world war, according to Nostradamus, were actually George Bush Jr.'s second term. George Bush Jr. is aware of prophecy, and he's also, or was, because he's not the president anymore, but he still is aware of this, also aware, he's very Christian, right? He goes to church, Christian, he's a very devout Christian. He's aware of the apocalypse and aware of the, the stories about and the timelines. And George Bush Jr., believe it or not, whether you like him or you hate him, whatever your politics is, George Bush Jr. had the wherewithal to actually stop World War III three, three times. To stop World War III three times under his watch. Once in his first term and twice in his second term. Where these things were apparent, they were going to happen, and it was going to, to fall into line with everything that, that happened. However, things still happened. The Twin Towers uh, were still taken down. We still had the space shuttle crash. We still had uh, uh, the, the Chinese rise to power. Uh, we still had the upheaval going on in the Middle East and now with what's happening right now with this. Okay. And I know what, what can happen going forward. And I've always averted telling people because we know <clears throat> that we drive the narrative. So if I tell and everybody believes a thing, it becomes a thing. Just like this whole, um, you know, slave labor uh, farce that's being painted and has been being painted for thousands of years on this planet to get everybody to buy into that narrative. So we keep things away from the public because we don't want it to come to pass. So we don't warn people anymore about things that might happen because we're afraid too many people are going to believe it. So we don't tell you a lot of the things that we know and the things that I have locked up in my brain, I can literally give you battle tactics, everything from the beginning of the war to the end of the Third World War as it was told from the 1400s. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but because of the where we are 
in this split between the prophecies of AI and non-AI, the Hopi Lock, uh, rock legend, the uh, the uh, uh, Aboriginal same uh, same question legend of the split and uh, the Aboriginal people in all over the world talking about that, and we're so close to that, and the religions talking about the end of days and all of the um, gospels doing the same with things coming to a head the way they are. I'm getting pushed by outside influence, not other people, okay, not humans, but um, and and not actually aliens either, but etheric. I'm getting pushed to tell this story, anyways. I'm not sure if I want to do this, but I keep I'm compelled, and that's why I'm telling you about it now. So next Friday, I may do that just that, and I may talk the entire time about prophecy. Now, most people are going to say I'm crazy anyway, so most people think I'm crazy and don't know what I'm talking about already so that's okay so it's not for those people to hear i believe it's for people that actually are um what's the word that i'm looking for a, a adult enough awake enough to understand that and they may need some of this information i don't know if in some way i'm helping um do damage and that's why i'm afraid to to really talk about this i may take ridicule i may just have people hating on me i already have all that anyway so the truth is i'm not concerned with that Pardon me while I drink my coffee. So um, I think I might do that. We'll see how far we get with this. But if we have any time left with this after today, we won't have much time anyways. So we'll just finish that, I think, the next week. But I think next Friday I'm going to um, I'm gonna do that. I'm going to roll that out. So um, I may put that on the calendar so we can you know, bring up some more people to get some more people in there to listen. Uh, because it is subjective because everything that I know can be avoided. Do you understand? All of it can be avoided, and that's the purpose of these people throughout time warning us about these things, right? Right? Ridicule helps us grow more. Exactly. That's the truth of it, right? So so I think people are, are ready to know this stuff, um, those who will listen. It's just like when you're reading the, 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 uh, all the different Gospels now that are out there that were taken out of the Bible. I'm understanding them, and I was not understanding them 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And now when I'm reading them, I'm going, oh, of course, this makes complete sense. Why did no one? Why does no one else know this? And so then when I bring it up to people, they're like, well, yeah, of course. So, so either everyone's known this before me, and I just figured it out, and some people that weren't talking about it knew about it and were also not talking about it. And now that I bring it up, they're like, well, yeah, of course it says that. I'm like, really? How come you've never said that to me before? I haven't asked those questions. Um, you know, why, why is it that, you know, maybe it is they knew this but prior to me knowing it. And then once I was able to understand it, and then when I brought it to them, you know, they were like, okay, welcome. Yeah, yeah, that is what was being said. No one talks about what's actually being said on air anywhere. No one, even these people that are trying to get disclosure about the SSP, you know, the secret space program and the 20 and back and all that. None of them are talking about it either. No one is. And I think they're I think everyone's afraid to because prophecy is that way. It's the hardest thing to talk about is the future because it's not set. We have free will. So people don't want to talk about that because they don't want to be on the hook for something that may or may not happen. Do you understand? And I don't really care about that. Right. Yes. Same time on Friday, 4 p.m. My time, whatever time it is for you right now, it's 420 my time right now. So whatever time zone you are on the planet, it'll be at the exact same time at 4 p.m. 20 minutes ago, like when I went live now. Uh, and it's going to be just about and I'm going to start with, uh, again, explaining what I did to you guys now about reading the prophecy and then the other prophecies that I know what has happened over time. 
and I, and that's why I have to be honest and I'll be honest again there is what's happened over time is no one else seems to remember this incident with the book. Even my buddy who bought the book doesn't seem to remember it. So I'm, I'm in the mind of, did that really happen? I know I read this, but I also know that some of the stuff that I got didn't come from the pages of a book. Okay. So I'm not trying to paint myself as a prophet because that anybody could be a prophet. You can just call yourself that it doesn't make you a prophet. I don't want to be raised to this, to that. People have said, you know, uh, just like Corey Good, are you Jesus? He's like, well, you guys quit that. Right. I'm not a savior. I'm just somebody bringing you knowledge. Right. I'm not the savior. I'm not the hero character. I'm just a humble messenger trying to give the message of the universe to the people. And I keep getting told a couple of things. One, um, rewrite the narrative rewrite the beginning or write the beginning. There was something that that happened in the beginning story of our creation that is not quite right. And I have to ring that out yet. And I'm not sure what that message that I'm getting. And I'm getting this message from high up. Okay. So there's, there's a glitch in the matrix that is changing things in our matrix here. And I think it has to do with AI um, and the first temporal war. Which, um, you know, I'm being told by the SSP that we lost the first uh, the first temporal war and that's why we're stuck. Well, in a sense, I guess that would be true. If if the powers that should not be got a hold of us and made us stuck, then in a sense, we did lose the first temporal war because that would have been what that was about. And now we're now we're like the Rebel Alliance trying to wrench back control of our free will, but they didn't gain total control of it. Hence, we're not slaves. Do you understand? Right, hold on. I have to let this cat out. I don't know if you guys can hear him, but now he's having a fit over here. So hang on a second. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. He he has a anxiety when it, uh, abandonment anxiety. So something happened to him when he was a baby, and so he has issues with anxiety for uh, abandonment. So doors being closed and him not having access to people, it freaks him out. So he'll go out there now and he'll check on my mother. He'll go and check on the other cat and then he'll sit down out there for a little bit, but then he'll remember that this door is closed and he'll be at the office scratching at the door and meowing, trying to get back in because he needs to make sure I'm okay. He just, he, that's the way he is. He's weird. He, ha he has to have access, total access always <clears throat> to everybody. And he'll follow you into the bathroom and everything. Right. And, but a cat's do that anyways, but he's a little more needy when it comes to that. He's, he has to be next to me. And if he can't be next to me, it drives him crazy. I know he's my cat. I know he's my familiar. I know I'm his person, right? So I get that. I don't like freak out and go, get out, cat. I'm just like, whatever he wants. You want back in? I let him go at it for a little while. All right, fine. Come back in. And then, so he's in here with me for an hour and now he left. <laughs> right? Oh, good grief. If I need to set an alarm, Julie says, uh, find a, find a hiding place, right? Hello. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> good. Good evening. Right? I know. Right? Uh, you know, you can set what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it back on the calendar. OK, so if I put it back on the calendar, you can set a reminder for yourself and it'll text your phone, all your apps, all your computers. It'll say, don't forget that Orion Rising is going to go live in 15 minutes and then it'll count down oh, live in in five minutes. So I'll put everything back on the calendar. I used to have it up there all year round, but I haven't uh, put it up there for this so I'll put it on the calendar today after I do the show or tomorrow. Before the weekend is over, you'll see the calendar event for next Friday and Skull Island on Wednesday. Uh, and we will be broadcasting that in a couple places, I believe. Um, so I'll have to find out from Aaron. We're going to try and multicast uh, it. I'm going to do Facebook and, and YouTube. And I think he's going to try and also um, 
do it on his channel and on his YouTube channel because he created a YouTube channel for it. So we may not have it on my YouTube channel. It may appear there afterwards when I download it, but it'll go live on, I believe, Skull Island uh, uh, YouTube channel. So we'll give you guys that information as well. Uh, and I'll put that in the in the the, the uh, calendar for Orion Rising, the page on YouTube. And then I'll, I'll also, we'll do like a commercial or something. I'll pop it on Orion Rising on YouTube for those of you who uh, don't like Facebook. Right. And for those of you on the MP3 file, we'll still get that MP3 file out to you. Aaron's doing it on his end uh, for all of his files. And I do it for mine as well. So we did that with Wednesday's show. I put that on all my uh, podcasts and he put it up on all of his as well. Uh, and, and I think Miguel's getting his stuff up and running. So he'll be doing the same thing. Right. OK, so. <clears throat> Right, your rat terrier is neurotic. Yeah, they, they, that's just they get attached to us, right? But it's but you love them, so you don't you know you're okay with it. Kids are the same way. Children are the same way. If you have little kids, they're, they're the exact same way. They're needy. They don't like to be a, with a door closed. They feel abandoned. So you always have to let them in and 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 do that, right? So, okay, so but yeah, I will you know let you guys know that uh, a lot of what I'm will be talking about next week is some of it is going to be what I got and some of it's going to be what I read and some of it's mixed and I don't remember anymore because it was so long ago. And that's why I started questioning whether there really was a book or not. And it was just something that I had, um, um, got a download and then, um, told myself it was a book that I was reading. I don't know because I can't find the book anywhere and I have talked to people around the world and it doesn't exist. So either they took the book off of the world market and it's hidden somewhere or it actually never existed. And I, I don't even remember who wrote it. And I'm usually pretty good about authors uh, and who publish things. And I can't find that anywhere. And since then, I've bought uh, many books on the translations by Nostradamus. And I actually taught myself old French to actually read the French and translate the French that he was writing with in the 1500s so that I could make sure they translated it properly. That's no joke. This is how much of a nerd I am. Okay, so I actually taught myself to read old French to, to, to be able to decipher it and make sure they translated it right. And I never did any videos. I should probably do that. Right. Um, because what they talk about, uh, what Nostradamus, the way Nostradamus talks is completely gibberish. If you read it, quatrain one, two, three, four, five in a row, it's completely he set it up that way. And he also said, and this is why I want to go back and read that, also said that this this code will not be decipherable until the right time in history. So like everything else, um, uh, things are becoming apparent now, and we're able to, uh, to translate things we were not able to even understand 20 years ago that have been right in front of us, written in the pages of these, of these tomes. So we know that a lot of what they're saying about us being in the end times or possibly being in, uh, like Miguel said on Wednesday, in the end of the Third World War. It's very possible that we're at the end of that because we know that we're at the end of one era and we're moving into the next. And the next era is that utopian. It is the the uh, um, um, what did they call it? Um, oh, I can't think of what it's called right now. Uh, the age of Aquarius. So we are actually going into that when everyone was saying that in the 60s, they were they, they knew that we were overdue to go into that. But, uh, you know, 2012, Bakhtun 12 actually ended and Bakhtun 13 starts. And if you look at things in the cyclical nature, that means that we did the three, the six, the nine, and the, to the 12, and then we're going to the one, the 13. 
the 13 number is supposed to be the most perfect number, the God number, right, which becomes the one. And that's why everybody had to turn that into a spooky number of bad luck. Right. And they propagated that since the Templar Knights got arrested in, in uh, uh, 1307, October, Friday, the 13th, 12, 1307, 1207, 1307. Um, so 1207. So it was on the 13th. So it was if your name was on the list, it was bad luck. And that's where Friday the 13th became bad luck. I did a whole show. I did a three hour show on on the number 13 and, the, and did another three hour show on the Templar Knights and the correlation. You guys can go back, uh, and that was my first year of my podcast. So if you go back five years, uh, back to, you know, 2017, 2018, you'll see that in my archives. Okay, so we'll get into that next week. So let's go ahead and, and jump into the alien interview. Let me get that banner off the screen there, right? So that in case it's bugging you guys. But make sure you, you know, uh, say thanks, ask questions in the chat. I will uh, try to answer your questions, but let's go ahead and add this to the stream. But they only suppose what they see and call it fact. Like the block. Okay, so we ended a little, a few seconds after this at like, you know, 343, and this is 339, so it's in the middle of a paragraph. I, I apologize for that. Here we go. Fine man, a scientist, cannot learn to see until he realizes that he's blind. The facts of Earth science do not include the source of creation. They include only the result or byproducts of creation. The facts of science. I kind of like that. I wanted to. I wanted to stop there, right there. Scientists pretend to observe, right, but they only suppose that they see, and call it fact. Like a blind man, a scientist cannot learn to see until he realizes that he is blind. The facts of the Earth science do not include the source of creation. They include only the result do not include any memory of the nearly infinite past experience of existence. The essence of creation and existence cannot be found through the lens of a microscope or telescope or by any other measurement of the physical universe. One cannot comprehend the perfume of a flower or the pain felt by an abandoned lover with meters and calipers. Everything you will ever know about the creative force and ability of a god can be found within you, an immortal spiritual being. How can a... See, now here, and I think this is why I went back to that, because here she's actually telling the truth, right? This is the same thing that, that uh, um, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Lao Ji said, he who seeks it will not find it. He who grasps at it will not grasp it. He who looks for it will not understand it or will not see it, right? So this is what he was talking about. And, and he said, and this was in 604 BCE, 600 years before Christ was born. Okay, and she's saying the same thing. So here's that tell the truth with lies, right? So literally, this is why I rewound this to this spot because I said this last time, but I wanted to reiterate this. She does not believe, let's, let's, let's re- can't or let's let's reacquaint uh, ourselves with her belief system. She does not believe in any higher power than a isbi or one of us, a being, someone who is alive and a mortal soul. So there is no God in her mind, right? Yet she's quoting spirituality here, right? How can someone who is an atheist then say to you, these words that she says, the essence of creation and existence cannot be found through the lens of a microscope or a telescope 
we know that, or by any other measurement of, phys of the physical universe. Okay, so that in and of itself is coming from a science perspective or a, or a person that is an, an atheist, that is in complete contradictory to their philosophical thought. If she's an atheist and doesn't believe in anything, yet she's saying this here. Why? Well, she's trying to win over people, so she's trying to give some tidbits of shit that sounds really cool and deep because then it sounds like she's trying to give you and do you a favor. But I don't believe that she is. However, what she says here is true. Then she goes on to say, one cannot comprehend the, per a, the perfume of a flower or the pain felt by an abandoned lover with meters and calipers. Well, she's actually true. That is telling the truth, right? So there's no lie in what she's saying. But there she's implying that unless you have experienced it, you can't work towards it. You can't say anything about it. Right. And I see that because if you don't look at a flower, you can't describe what a flower looks like. If you don't smell the flower, you can't describe what the flower uh, smells like. So she's still trying to, to skirt the outskirts here. And then she says everything that you will ever know about the creative force and ability of a God can be found within you, which is not a lie. Right. An immortal spiritual being. So she's telling the truth there. This is how. I think that they used this truth, again, someone corrupted the truth of a spiritual or a, a collective consciousness in the universe to mean nothing except for yourself, right? So it's all about the self, but empowering the self, which is a good thing, um, but denying, still denying the existence of anything above yourself. And that's what that's what she's she's kind of getting at. Let's see if she continues down that road. Right. How can a blind man teach others to see the nearly infinite uh, 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 ingredients that compromise or the comprise? Sorry, the uh, the structure of light. Well, that's or the spectrum of light. Well, if that person had had actually read it through Braille or was told it, they could still teach it. It doesn't matter that they haven't ever seen it. If someone tells them what it is, what five plus five is what? If I've never seen the number five, the plus symbol in the number five, right? That doesn't mean that I don't know five plus five equals ten, because I've learned that. So this is kind of one of those things where she's trying. It's kind of apples and oranges. She's trying to compare uh, sight to uh, spirituality, right? When the truth is that that you're blind in this body and can't see. And until you realize you're blind in this body, you won't be able to see anything, whether you believe in a deity figure or not. So so she's skirting around that. But at least she's telling a little bit of truth in that you need to look within yourself to actually find anything, because there you'll find that you are completely, um, uh, you know, in control. You are the Godhead. You are the God figure. We all are. We are in the mind. We are a daydream in the mind, a construct in the mind of ourselves. Think about that now. Blind men teach others to see the nearly infinite gradients that comprise the spectrum of light. The notion that one can understand the universe without understanding the nature of an isbe is as absurd as conceiving that an artist is a speck of paint on his own canvas, or that the lace on a ballet shoe is the choreographer's vision, or the grace of a dancer, or the electric excitement of opening night study of the spirit has been booby-trapped by the thought control operation through religious superstitions they instill in the minds of men 
See, and here's the thing, too. She's still using the vernacular men for the human race in 1947. Maybe she's saying that just to be, uh, um, you know, politically correct. Why would she do that when everything she's saying is is not politically correct? Right. The study of the spirit has been booby trapped. And here's where she throws rocks at uh, any kind of religion again, any kind of spirituality uh, is booby trapped by the thought control operation through religious superstition they install in the minds of men controversially the study conversely the study of the spirit and the mind have been prohibited by science which eliminates anything that is not measurable in the physical universe science okay so now that's contradictory that's completely 100 percent contradictory think about well let's read this again the study of the spirit has been booby-trapped by thought control operation through religious superstitions they install in the minds of humans. So now she's claiming that any kind of spiritual uh, um, thought was a booby-trap that was placed in your minds by this, by the control operation to make you think there is a religion. And yet, conversely, the study of the spirit and the mind have been prohibited by science with a lim- with right yeah no i'm reading that right i'm thinking am i reading that wrong so right so so have been prohibited by science with with uh, 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 which eliminates anything that is not measurable in the physical universe so what she's saying is first they mind trapped you with the religion to make you be convinced convinced that there is a religion when there's not and then and then science is telling you that none of that is true <laughs> then why would you go and and do the double bait and switch why even confuse people about religion if you're going to then introduce the idea that all of that is is untrue according to science right and then then claim that the whole machine's breaking down so she, at every turn, at every turn, anything that is a spark of ideology that says or suggests that something other than tangible three-dimensional beings ruling the universe is alive in any way, she either created that with her people because she claimed that, right? Or it was a mistake because the machine's breaking down and we're starting to remember things from the old empire. And that's why we've built everything the way we have, because it resembles that. Yet the old empire had our minds wiped and made our lives shorter and wiped our minds more and more frequent so that we couldn't remember any of that. Yet we're remembering all of that, plus the fact that we might be a slave labor race, plus the fact that we might not be a slave labor race, plus the fact that aliens are out there, plus the fact that we are uh, now privy to a war of the gods that has been going on throughout time. So we know everything that's going on in the universe, but yet we're supposed to be mind wiped and everything that we know about the universe is supposed to be fake to keep us in a mind wiped situation. Yet she told us that the machines were breaking down and all of what we have as our reality is actually reality that we're trying to be hidden from ourselves. However, she and her people created that reality, but not the reality that we live in, just all of our religions. Now, why would they create all of our religions if they don't believe in religion at all? That's weird, right? So here she is again, throwing that that double-edged sword at us with another crux for another preposis or pre, pre, what's the word I'm looking for a precipice 
of of ideology. So she literally is just now again t- going religion, yeah, to control us, right? Yeah, that that's somehow recycling our our sparks here on on, on lifetime, right? Here lifetime. So. But here's the thing, right? The truth is that this is uh, Con. Welcome, by the way. I don't know who you are. You're a new uh, person that I haven't seen. The truth is, let me put this up on the screen. I can read it for those of you who are on the MP3 file. You guys can't see this. But those of you who are watching the MP4 broadcast, you can see this. The truth is that there's no light where we go to our anything good, but simply stop uh, to exist and lay and later never know, right? Well, it. <laughs> That that's kind of right. And then Con says hi because I said hi, right? But I mean, it is to control us. I get that. But why the double bait and switch or the triple bait and switch? And with for for her, it's actually quadruple or like I mean, almost almost octagonal at this point because she's she's done that so many times. We're almost up to eight going on ten or eleven uh, of her with the bait and switch of of well, your religion. Oh, it's all fake and it was all created by the priestly caste. And then later she goes, oh wait, all your religion was created by my people who were on your planet and they taught the people that were there because they had a book well wait a minute none of your people believe in in god don't they so apparently some of her people do right so then what she's teaching us is her ideology well we got into that before and i talked about that before because the truth is if you go back to the show on wednesday um because i talked about it also on last saturday at that conference that the truth is the difference between aliens in a third dimensional third density body and us is that they live over there that's it they just live not in this solar system, but in another one. And if and if I said to you, 350, let's go back to 800 years ago. If I said to you 800 years ago, there are people that are living on islands out in the Pacific of the ocean uh, and past the North American continent, and they're brown-skinned, people would have said, what are you talking about? There's no one. This can't be possible. There's nothing out there. When, when uh, Ragnar Northbrook wanted to see if there was something west— they said there is nothing west, and he said, "I was told, I've heard there is there is land there, and people are there, right?" He had a map that was got that was handed down from Leif Erikson, right, and a compass that would t- take them, and was told there was an island, which turned out to be Scotland, Ireland, and England. And they said, "You're not going there because there's nothing there. You'll you'll go over the edge of the world and you'll die." And he went there anyways. And guess what? They took over most of uh, almost 100 percent of Scotland, Ireland and England and settled there. The Vikings did until the, the people of Wessex. I think they were the only ones left in the south. Um, they, the English did a whole um, uh, uh, TV series on this. Uh, they re- they revolted against the Vikings and eventually slaughtered the Vikings and got their own land back. Right. But there was a long war for that. OK, so. All of that was true. And then, again, Leif going, uh, you know, west and eventually finding Iceland, Greenland, and the North American continent, right? And then eventually you had uh, Columbus, who has was also a, a Temple Knight, who also had that same information and map that he had procured. And he wanted to go, and he told everybody he was trying to find a course to India. That was a lie. He was trying to rediscover the Americas. And we know that because he never attempted to go to India once he got to America. He sent back word that it was India and then was like, no, wait, it's something else, but it's a brand new continent that I found, right? And then eventually the, the rest of Europe followed and, and um, tried to murder all of the native uh, uh, people in this land have been trying to do that for the last 250 years, trying to kill them all off. And they spent a lot of time doing it, just like the Spanish did in South America and Central America when they got there. Conquer, breed with the women, kill all the men, turn it into your land. That's what they try to do in South America, Central America, and parts of the United States, 
right? And and that then eventually been, became part of the territory of, of uh, Mexico and the Native Americans that were living out here in the southwest of the United States. We know that. That's why we still have the New Mexico state, right? So, so here again, she's hitting us with all of that and saying all of these things that, that just don't jive, right? I mean, it's another contradiction. Let's go ahead and finish it instead of me rambling on. Science is the religion of matter. It worships matter. The paradigm of science is that creation is all and the creator is nothing. Religion says the creator is all and the creation is nothing. These two extremes are the bars of a prison cell. They prevent observation of all phenomenon as an interactive whole. Study of creation. That's absolutely 100% true. It is to this day, right? You have the two extremes. You have the, like, like she said, science is the religion of matter. It worships matter, right? The paradigm of science is that creation is all and that the creator is nothing. The religion says the creator is all and the creation is nothing. These two extremes are the bars of a prison cell. They absolutely are. If you believe in one or the other wholly 100%, then you will never figure out the universe. And that's the truth of it. And that's where we talk about the balance, right? The down the center being equal, being at the center point. Again, here's that, here's that center point again, right? So being at that center point, the zero point is where is where you're going to find the truth. Right. So now she's, but she doesn't see that. I don't think she does. We'll see as we go forward here. I'm not seeing that she's talking about that, but we'll see. So she's telling you that that she's giving. She's telling you this is the prison, but she's again not telling you how to get out of the prison. Why? Because she doesn't believe in God. She believes slightly left of of center. Uh, you know, if the spiritual was left and the or the other way around, if the science is left and the spiritual is right, I just kind of put them there. It doesn't really matter which side is which. She's either way, she's a little more towards the scientific mind than she is towards the spiritual because she doesn't believe in anything. Okay. So let's finish. She started with creation, study of creation without knowing the ISBI. Without knowing the ISBI, the source of creation, is futile. When you sail to the edge of a universe conceived by science, you fall off the end into an abyss of dark, dispassionate space and lifeless, unrelenting force. On earth you have been convinced that the oceans of the mind and spirit are filled with gruesome, ghoulish monsters that will eat you alive if you dare to venture beyond the breakwater of superstition. The I want to point something out uh, that has nothing to do with this, but it just reminded me of, of what I was looking into because uh, I was looking into flat earth and the ideology, and I'm still going down that road. Not that I believe in flat earth. I'm just trying to figure out what it is that made people believe that the earth is flat. And I actually came up with a theory that I never thought about until, until I was looking into this and somebody made the comment. Now the theory of, of flat earth is, is wholly based on, um, the observation of a captain, a ship's captain in the 1700s, who was trying to go, trying to prove that the earth was flat. And he sailed and he said he found this firmament, which was a wall of ice, and he couldn't get around it. And he sailed for a long time. And they claimed it was, it was 70,000 miles. And I think it just got bigger over the course of time. It was probably they sailed 100 miles or 700 miles or 70 miles, whichever. They sailed for a very long time in this uh, ship. And it was just the wall of ice. And so they sailed back and they could never go around it. and They could never find the end of it. And so they sailed back home. And I got to thinking about what would what could happen in nature that would make that possible. And um, and then I thought about the the amount of seawater that has risen 
the, the ocean has risen. And we know that just a few hundred years ago that the ocean level was hundreds of feet lower than it is now, right? And then it dawned on me, Antarctica is three miles thick of ice before the dirt, before the ground. Three miles thick, uh, but they're still like the tops, the peaks of the land are still there. So you can go to, onto the land, but the but the 90% of the island itself is under three miles of ice. Now, if I were sailing a ship four or 500 years ago, I could easily find Antarctica in the ocean frozen and not be able to find the land because if the sea level were 300 feet lower than it is now, I would sail up to a 300-foot wall of ice. I wouldn't be able to see the land. At first, I would see it as I was coming to it. I might be able to see the peak. But eventually, I would get to a wall of ice, and that would cover the entire ocean everywhere when you looked at it, because if you, it depended on where you sailed up to Antarctica. Now, if you're trying to sail to the edge of the, of the world, and, and you end up heading in that direction and find Antarctica, you're going to find a wall of ice back then. So it is plausible that this guy thought that he found the firmament. And it was just Antarctica and the, the sea level was lower by hundreds of feet than it is now. You would then come up to a wall of ice that would be more than a thousand miles long. Do you understand? And if you don't know how big the earth is to begin with, you're not going to realize that we would go, well, this is Antarctica now because we clearly have mapped the entire globe. So it is plausible that this whole entire theory came about because they found what they thought was the, the firmament, and it was literally Antarctica, and the sea level was so much lower than it is now that they could have misunderstood that as the firmament and came back and said, it's a wall of ice at the end of the world, and I can't get around it. Couldn't find the end of it. Right? Okay, and then a, a, con, a converse. I like, the, I like your name there, by the way. So Con says, I think... I think they got entrances under the sea like rivers leaving in, leading into or leaving into the entrances of the North Pole. Uh, well, you know, what they, they do that. Uh, they actually do. There are um, lava vents that we know about that are big giant. You could drive tanks through in Antarctica. Uh, and I would assume the same thing would be up in the North Pole as well. Uh, even if it's not lava tubes, you're going to have some of the tubes where the ice was thinner and, you know, for underground rivers and underground uh, things where it drained. So, right. Khan <laughs> says, exactly. So we know those exist. We know that literally there's, there's uh, tubes in South, uh, South uh, or in Atlantica that you Atlantic, uh, or Antarctica, pardon me, that you can go into and it's hot in there. There's steam. It's, you could live in there and some of them are too warm. Uh, and those, you know, some people are saying is, is the uh, Dracos. If you follow that far enough inward, you end up into the, uh, inside the Draco caves where they live uh, down there. And other ones, the other people say that that's the bases that the, um, that the uh, uh, Germans had built and that we haven't cleared out all of that stuff yet. Some of it we have, some of it we haven't. We don't know because they don't let anybody on there. That's the most mysterious place on the planet that no one has access to except for uh, only, you know, 15 governments now. It used to only be four in Antarctica or in, in Argentina was one of them. And, and for a long time, people were like, why is that? Well, because the Nazis own it. The Nazi Germany owned Argentina. They still do. Right. That was their hiding place. That's where they went back to when they lost the physical war. Yeah. And I can't even pronounce that. Right. Nushwa Bendland, or however, I don't know how even know how to say that, Con. I'll put that up on the screen and spell it for those of you on the MC. That's what they called it, right? It's, it's like, it's almost like Newfoundland, but it's new something. I don't know the translation. It's N E U S C 
H W A B as in boy, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, L as in Lima, A N as in Nancy, and D as in dog or David, right? So I don't know what that translates into into English, but that's what they called it, uh, and it's it's word like you know New Iceland or something. I'm not sure. So Con, if you know the translation, uh, Peter might even. So Peter, you're here. I saw you here. I don't know if you know what that translates to in English, but if you do, tell me what that means. I know it's something like that, but that's what they called it, right? And uh, yeah, so we know that it's there. We know that there's, we know there's bases there. We know there's people there too, right? And UFOs, those are hiding from us, right? Um, I know that from insiders. I haven't seen them myself, but I've heard that for many years. All right, let's continue here. Vested interest of the old empire prison system is to prevent you from looking at your own soul. They fear that you will see in your own memory the slave masters who kept you imprisoned. The prison is made of shadows. <laughs> right, so Khan yeah, says, uh, says, not really just new um, Schwabish land. Yeah, but see, that word means something as well, right? So it's so it, that's what, so it means something, whatever the, the Schwabish uh, means uh, that, that so it was new Schwabishland, which meant like what was Schwabishland? What is that, right? So I have to translate that. I don't have Google Translate open, or I would throw it in there to take a look, right? So a secret train a train service from the uh, Antarctic to Area 51. This is what I've heard. Secret underground. I've heard the same thing. So Peter is is saying that because we do know that there are a hundred, over 186 underground military bases that are the size of of large cities, right? Oh, okay. So Schwabland is a, is a valley in, in Germany. Okay. That's like us over here in California. We named a, a, an area of Dublin, which became a city because it reminded everybody of Dublin, Ireland because of its beautiful green hills. Uh, so we call it Dublin, California. And, and it resembles the layout of the land resembles uh, Dublin, Ireland uh, and the way it looked uh, 200 years ago. Uh, now it's probably different because there's a lot more modern stuff built up. Uh, and then Dublin, America is different as well because there's 200 years worth of more modern stuff. But it reminded the Irish settlers so much of uh, of uh, back home that they named the city Dublin. So for the same reason, it must be a beautiful valley in Germany that reminded them. And maybe the landscape with the snow and ice you know, during the wintertime was a lot like that. Uh, so we are sentimental that way. And we do name things after uh, cool places, and it could be that that's where they had some military base that was secret underground in Germany, and that's why they called it that. So we do know there's over 186 underground military bases worldwide that the Americans own. So there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, and I've been told by insiders, just like Peter, that all of them are actually connected now. So you can travel all around the globe and go anywhere underground and never be on top of the air, or on, on, you don't have to worry about sailing a ship or flying in a plane. You can literally tr go everywhere on the planet, uh, and including going to every military base in the United States from underground, never, never being seen by people. So the only time the military does that is when they are showing force. They want you to see them doing it. And that's the only reason why they drive up on the land now for you to see is because they want you to see that. Otherwise, they don't need to at all. So what I've been told by many, many insiders around the world, and, and, I, and Peter is in Ireland, so he has the he has the ear to to Europe, or I'm in America, and I have I still have some of the ear to Ireland, but he's he's embedded with the people there. He knows them, knows them, right? <laughs> I know them from afar. He's he shakes hands with them. 
So let's continue. In your mind, the shadows are made of lies and pain and loss and fear. The true geniuses of civilization are those Isbees who will enable other Isbees to recover their memory and regain self-realization and self-determination. This issue is not solved through enforcing moral regulation on behavior or through the control of beings through mystery, faith, drugs, guns, or other dogma of a slave society, and certainly not through the use of electric shock and hypnotic commands. The survival of Earth and every being on it depends on the ability to recover the memory of skills you have accrued through the trilenia. See, so here, here, Errol is trying to help and give us the secret. She's given us the tools in 1947, explaining all of this after she's been poo-pooing everything and telling us that we're hopeless and we can never get out of this. Do you see? And this is why I questioned her motives, but also questioned, and I've said this a few times, also questioned if, in fact, she was telling that stuff to make it sound like she was trying to discourage us. And then she hits us with this, which is the truth about how to escape this, this uh, 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 escape room that we're in. Right. So so this is where I'm like, she spends three hours and where are we at here? Three hours and 42 minutes. That's why I stopped at 343 and wanted to come back to, to hear this again. She stopped at, you know, three hours and 42 minutes telling us that we're useless. Slaves can never get out. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. Yet here she's saying the true genius of civilization are those Isbees, those people, human beings, those beings who will enable others, other Isbees, to recover their memory, which is what I'm doing, and millions of people like myself are doing, right? So until we recover, until we allow others or enable others to recover their memory and regain self-realization, right? So you have to realize yourself again that I am being, that I'm not just this construct in this body. That's why, hence, the, the webinar that Miguel and I and, and Peter and the other Peter and a few other people have been working on called Is Your Reality and Your Way? Because it is. You're trying to go to the zero point. You're trying to hit that 13 or the one to go through the center, like Thoth says, like all of the dusty tomes say. Jesus was teaching that. Everyone was teaching that. Muhammad was teaching that. Even Moses talked about that. David talked about that. Elijah talked about that. All these people in all of these prophecies and all these dusty tomes, including all of the Gnostic Gospels, all of the Coptic Gospels, that you need to look within. Right? It's true because, and this is Khan saying, it's true. Put it up on the screen for those of you. It's true because the moment you remember your soul and recover your past life or lives, right? You are aware of the story being one and the same for a very long time. Exactly. And that, that shows you that, oh, wow, we've been stuck here. But it also shows you that we are one. Once you get out of this body and you, and you realize your higher self, then you realize you're not a prisoner. That the only thing that has you attached here is this avatar that you're in. So once you realize and you ascend in your mind to this place where you can be outside of the pain body, outside of the egoic mind, outside of the thinking mind, at a higher place, and you're witnessing this, right? And I did this on, on Wednesday night. I did my 30-second meditation to, to get people to understand that. 
right? Some of you are here and have done that before. Some of you are here haven't. So maybe I'll do that again really quickly for you guys so that you can see what I'm talking about, right? So what people are trying to achieve, and Miguel brought this up on Wednesday. I hate sitting there trying to meditate because then you got to sit there in the lotus position. You got to have this. You got to have the music. You got to have ding. You got to have the, the sense and all this stuff and om and om. And I said, no, 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 that's necessary. That's only there for those people who want or need the, those tools. It's not necessary for you to achieve what you're trying to achieve by meditating without having to do all that rigmarole. And it can be done in 30 seconds. Right. So Khan says really quickly, very long as, and I'll put it up on the screen for you. Uh, so very, very long. And yes, we are absolutely one with all in capital letters, by the way. So you make sure that you understand what he's saying there. And I agree with that. That's why I made sure to tell you it was done in capital letters. Um, but their soul isn't the same way connected, um, uh, but on AI. And then I think you're saying AI, uh, we, um, well, you're right about that. So I don't want to get into that because that's really complicated. I like that. It's really deep. We're going to have to get into that at some point. Right. Um, and maybe we, maybe we will. But so you have to understand once you understand that you have to achieve that first. If you get to that place and you witness that, then you realize there's something more than this pain body. There's something more than the egoic thinking. There's something more than the conceptual uh, reality that you think that you might be in. That's the that's the prison. That's that's the prison of the mind. Right. And then uh, let's do this really quickly. So so for those of you who are listening to this broadcast, what I want you to do, if you're uh, if you're driving, don't do this. If you're walking, don't do this, obviously, because you need to be seated or somewhere where you can close your eyes and not fall over or get hurt. Right. So if you are right, turn everything off. You don't want to have any kind of television, you're, you know, whatever. To, no distraction. Try to get to a place where there's no distraction. Right. And then sit down and then just close your eyes. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. And then I want to want you guys to do it. Okay. And I will be silent as well. And I will, and I will count down and then I'll ask you a question after, after that. And, and you will then understand what it is that you're trying to achieve through meditation and what it is that I'm talking about and then what it is that she's talking about and what Converse here said about the moment that you remember your soul and recover your past life. Okay. So what I want you all to do is to, is to sit in a place where you're comfortable and you can close your eyes and not have to worry about again, falling over or hurting yourself or, or getting hurt or getting hit by a car or whatever. Right. So you, you know, I want you to close your eyes and then I want you to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I want you to not think about anything besides your breath. I don't want anything going on except for you are listening and feeling and experiencing the breath that you have intaking through your nose and then out through your mouth and that repetitiveness. And I want you to do that for 30 seconds. And I want you to continue breathing in through your nose, eyes closed and out through your mouth. All right. So don't start right now because I'm still talking and that's distracting you. Right. So when I say start now, that's when I want you to start. Okay. And then I will count down in my mind the 30 seconds and then I will, uh, then I will ask you a question. All right. So I want everybody to close your eyes and breathe and only think about your breathing and concentrate on your breathing and do that starting now. Now answer this question. What were you thinking about while you were doing that for 30 seconds? And if you did it right, the answer is nothing. Because you were witnessing and experiencing your body breathing. 
You were not in your pain body. You were not in your avatar. You were not in your mind. That's right. Denise got it. Nothing. You are not in your thinking mind. You are not in the egoic mind. You are not in the conceptual reality. You are outside of that and witnessing and feeling your body and the breathing. Do you understand? So that was your higher self. That was yourself outside of this avatar, witnessing the avatar and experiencing the breath. There was no thought, but yet you were still, you were being. That was you. No thoughts, no feelings, no nothing to look at, nothing to hear, just your breath and the body breathing the breath in and out. And you also felt detached from that in a way that you hadn't five minutes ago. You didn't notice your breathing before because it's being done automatic. You don't have to tell yourself to do it because the body is, is turned on. The brain is on to regulate the functions of this avatar. Do you understand? Consciousness. That's exactly what you were experiencing. Your consciousness. That in and of itself tells you that you're not in a prison. Do you understand that? The prison is not knowing or remembering that you are. And that's, she's saying the same thing here. Right? Is that the secret is to know, to remember, I am being, I am something else. I am not this flesh body. I'm not this pain body. This is just what I'm using here. Do you see? So that's what people are trying to achieve when they meditate. So you can do that without having to have all that rigmarole. That stuff helps because it helps you then get into a deeper state of, of uh, uh, awareness. And then you can, uh, from that place, um, uh, answer questions. You can have uh, visions. You can go, you can leave the body. And that's what people do. And that's why it takes a long time when sometimes when people are meditating because they're actually working on a problem or working on something or uh, they're not just uh, experiencing that for the first time. But that's a simple, you know, that's a, the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. That's a keep it simple, stupid version of meditating that can show you what it feels like when you achieve that moment. And that's what you're looking for when you're meditating is also what you're looking for because if you can achieve, and this is what people try to achieve once they achieve that the first time and they understand what they're looking for, what you're trying to do then is get yourself into a perpetual state of being aware of being that at all times, coming from that place first, not the thinking mind, realizing that before my mind thinks it, before I say it out loud, because there's a chain of events that happens, whenever you go to say something out loud, your mind thinks it first. And then tells your mouth to say it. And your mouth says what your mind just thought. But there's a thought process that goes on prior to that. That thought process is the one that you think when you're there in that place. And you don't think in words, in sentences. You think in concepts. The entire concept of what I just said out loud, I thought of. Then my brain worded it for me to say out loud, gave me the words, and then my mouth said the words and spoke it out loud. Most people only hear the mind thinking and they associate that with themselves and think that's what they are, is this human brain inside your head, which is designed to think. And it's designed to run the show. It's designed to run the, oh, the robot that you're inside of. Do you understand? Right? And then Peter says a good... 
A good way to measure tape is draw a pyramid on the ground, right? And then it says what two whites candidates. He's speaking to his phone and sometimes he has an Irish accent. So sometimes his phone uh, starts tripping out, right? (laughs) What two white conditions, right? What is that? Candidates did left two real to the right and yellow on the top of the pyramid. Yeah, see some of it's not coming through and white on the bottom. I'm still in a in a bit and clear mind and it will see the future, the book of life uh, to nowhere or are fitted to the flower of life. So I, I think he's talking about the Acacia record and how to uh, and how to achieve that thought process and, and uncover that. Right. Candidates candles. I think that's what he's talking about. Right. So I think he's talking about having two candles. Uh, white on the ground, right? I'll draw a pyramid uh, and then have on the ground with two white candles. It says candidates and then two white candles. And then it says did left to and then left to red, right? And then yellow at the bottom of the pyramid and white at the top, right? Sit in it, right? And clear your mind and uh, and and it will see the future book of life to nowhere or to to, yeah, to know here. Right to now, here, nowhere. I was trying to say to nowhere, and uh, are uh, fitted to the flower of life. So I think he's talking about the lotus, and that's where you get that whole lotus thing from. That's the flower of life, right? And that's the the spiral and all of the the uh, golden mean ratio and all of that, right? So yeah, so so Julie, I believe that's what he's saying with the different color candles, and you're in the in the you know, and you sit in the middle of the pyramid. Uh, and then uh, and then uh, meditate there and the energy that will resonate, clear your mind and it will see the future. Right. It'll see the, the it'll see the future, the book of life. Uh, so that's that should have been the future comma, the book of life comma uh, to nowhere are fitted to the flower of life. So um, and I think that that there's also a mathematical equation. So I agree with that. It's the harmonics. And that's a good way, again, to uh, to do the same thing, to achieve the same thing and clearing out like you're meditating and then to see uh, the Akashic records and be able to, uh, or Akashic, it depends on where you're from, uh, to be able to uh, tap into the knowledge, right? And many people have done that uh, throughout the years. Let's continue with what she's saying here. Recover the essence of yourself. Such an art, science, or technology has never been conceived in the old empire. Otherwise, they would not have restored to the solution that brought you to your current conditions on Earth. Neither has such technology ever been developed by the domain. Until recently, the necessity of rehabilitating an ISB with amnesia has not been needed. Therefore, no one has ever worked on solving this problem. So far, unfortunately, the domain has no solution to offer. A few officers of the Domain Expeditionary Force have taken it upon themselves to provide technology to Earth during their off-duty time. These officers leave their doll at the space station and as an ISBE assume or take over a biological body on Earth. In some cases, an officer can remain on duty while they inhabit and control other bodies at the same time. This is a very dangerous and adventurous undertaking. It requires a very able ISBE to accomplish such a mission and return to the base successfully. One officer who did this recently while continuing to attend his official duties was known on earth as the electronics inventor Nikola Tesla. 
Right. And see, here's where last time I said, and it's funny because she attributes every single person on earth that did anything uh, that was that was in any way uh, advancing Earth's science or religion was one of her people. <laughs> I, I love that. Anyway, let's I just all I can do is laugh at that. Is my intention, although is not. So according to Errol, all of our religion was created by her people and uh, all of our uh, inventors uh, and philosophers on our planet were her people. Right. Yet they have no idea how to, to how to crack the code and help people. But she just gave you the tools to crack the code to get out of here. But yet they can't figure it out. She said, weird. That's strange. Because <laughs> she just told us how to figure it out. But yet she says we don't still don't know how to do it. Right. So I think that uh, it's either a Freudian slip that she slipped that in right there. Or that was what she knew that people who were religious would have to hear for them to uh, take her seriously. So she's either telling a little bit of truth with many more lies, or she tried to sneak that in to try and give us the tools. I haven't figured out which because she does nothing but talk shit about all, all of us and our, everything that you possibly could have ever imagine knowing that all of it was either the bad guys or her or her people anyways. Right. And that there's nothing of us that is real whatsoever. Uh, and except for our avatar. <laughs> Right. And, and, and Khan says, and, and how out where to? Well, what, what what she means by that and what everybody means by that is out of here. It's not stuck in this panic room anymore, or this escape escape room. Right. That I mean, and that's the truth of it. You're born here. This is how it works. And this is why they tell uh, some truth here with the many lies. They know that the people here don't remember that this is just a playpen. Okay. Every single person that is that, you know, here's how it works. Okay. And I talked about this on the, on the con at the conference on uh, last Saturday. Right. And I talked about it again on Wednesday. Okay. How things work is this is how the, the base beginning of the universe works and how we work. We're all, we're all attached to this octave. Okay. The third dimension, third density is an octave. It's a sound and a vibration and a place. Part of it is physical, the third dimensional reality. Part of that reality is not real. Part of that reality is AI. It's, it's fake. It's been invented because we needed to. So it's just a daydream. Okay, so we have part of that creation. We are part of that creation, and we have the ability to create. When you first, right, when you first uh, uh, realize that you're alive, Khan says that's bullshit because we create this reality, but they but they really don't have the same thing because they don't forget the past. So it's like they always, of course, ahead of us. Yes. Yes. You're absolutely right. So that's what my point is. It's, it's bullshit because they already know, they know what we don't. And so they're one step ahead of us. Right. <laughs> and, and really most of, of all of us. Right. So they're one step ahead of us. So here's the, here's my point. They know they learned what we didn't know. And then they and then they uh, 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 stopped us from knowing it. Do you see? And then they, then they took all of the knowledge of the universe or of that ideology out of anything that we could find. They hid it or burned it. Do you understand? They tried to take all of the knowledge that we could gain that knowledge. That's what the Dead Sea Scrolls are. The, all of those scrolls basically tell us what she just said about us looking within. So they tried to eradicate that from our memory altogether because they were trying to keep us as slaves. 
And it's worked for a hundred and some odd thousand years, 150, 175,000 years. Right. So, so right. And using it against us, this is what this is Khan saying, uh, uh, using us against us in every way. Yes. So what they did was they hijacked the narrative, the matrix. They realized the matrix was there. And, and then, the, yeah, imagine if NASA just tells us the uh, total lies, right? And a lot of it, they do. So, so what they did is they realized, the priests realized, right, back in the day. Let's go back to the pre-dynastic era uh, when Ra claims they were here and built the pyramids, okay, when, when Ra in Egypt was here. And Ra in Egypt, when, was, when Ra was here, and the deities that were there, the pharaohs that were there then, changed everything and believed that it was a monotheistic god, one creation. And that only lasted a few years, and the people of Egypt didn't like that ideology because they had many gods. Uh, so they eventually uh, got rid of that pharaoh. They killed him off, and Tutankhamun became the, became the, uh, the pharaoh. And then they killed him by hitting him in the back of the head with a hammer uh, and, kill, and a spike that went into his brain and killed him. So he was only in power for a few years, too. Then the mom took over, and she was the pharaoh, right? And then they put everything back to the way it was and went with the many gods again. So, so the ideology was there, and the priests realized that the pyramid was there to help people to ascend. So immediately they closed off the pyramid and said only the priests can go in there, and they corrupted it. From that point on, they corrupted everything. And these people were supposed to be the, the descendants from Atlantis and the other cities that they had built, the Luciferians had built. So they took control of the narrative at that point, realized that, that we control the matrix as a, as a whole uh, uh, people. As one species, we control the narrative here, this matrix here on this planet. So what they did was they took the knowledge of that away from the world, burned it all. That's why they had the burning of the books and the burning of Alexandria and the library, all of that information. And they took all the, the, the Gnostic Gospels and ripped them out of the Bible and were burning all of those. But the, but the Gnostics ran off with them and buried them in the, in the sand. And eventually we found them. And that's why they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls and Gnostic Gospels, because the people in the Dead Sea Scroll area, they were the Gnostics who were there. And that's what they, they hid the stuff. Never came back for it, but it was still there until we found it in the modern era. So all of this stuff is, is reporting to us with all the memories that we didn't have, that we're supposed to have, that we don't have. So this is what is happening now in the world, and, and the world has become enlightened because they can't hide the information even though they've tried. <clears throat> the Internet made it easier for us to find. So there's still a lot of stuff they've taken away and hidden, and we don't have, so we can't find. Right? So, so but the tip... What we can learn is access. We, we have learned the knowledge. That was the whole story of the Garden of Eden, right? The whole story of the Garden of Eden was for us to gain the knowledge back that something was different. And we gained that knowledge. We no longer had amnesia. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, and then and Converse says, we really do with the power of our soul and literally manifest the realm as, as one site of reality. Absolutely, we do. Okay, so that's why when uh, politicians are doing something bad and all the people rise up and go, no, we don't even have to like revolt. We just all start saying no, throw those people out. Their ratings dip and they go, oh, okay, well, then we better back off that idea. Why is that? Because the people are changing their minds. And once they do that, they no longer have power to be controlling of us. The point of all of that in this reality, with with this with this uh, you know stuff going on now, I I don't want to say too many things because the algorithm will get me and the jibber jabber, which you know they're trying to stick you with. All this stuff is a is a fear and control, 
And if the enough people stand up, which is what's happening in America, and go, no, we're done with this. Yeah, we're just not buying your crap anymore, and we're done. We're not taking the shots. We're not going to be locked down. We're not going to be doing this. <clears throat> Once you guys all around the world do the same thing, they won't be able to do anything. They're going to try. They're trying to forcibly take military action against you and force you to have this happen. If you realize and, and, and uh, link into the all, <clears throat> instead of thinking that you're by yourself, instead of believing that you're, pardon me with my phlegm, I've been talking too much this week and last week because I've done um, six, seven shows in, in seven days. So I don't normally do that. And most of them were more than two hours long. I don't normally do that. I usually do two shows a week. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on show seven now. Eight, actually, if you count. Eight, 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 because, I, because of last week. So eight in eight days. Okay. So once you realize that I am the whole, not just myself, un, uh, you, even if you don't realize it, you tap into that energy of the all. And you, and you guys that are around the world in countries that might be locked down still, where they're trying to force you with with military or whatever uh, to get the vaccine, and in because they're trying to do it here in America, and everybody went on strike, <laughs> right? Then we're not going to work, right? If you're going to say we're all going to get fired, then we're all going on strike, and uh, basically America was just about shut down, almost shut down. So they backed off of that really quickly. And now the liberals who are saying that they were the ones who had wanted all this and ran on COVID to get Joe Biden elected. Joe Biden literally came out and said the other day, yesterday, that it's the Republicans who are trying to keep this thing going because they want to have COVID to run on in 2022 and 2024. And I just laughed because all they talked about for their campaign for a year and a half was COVID. They didn't campaign on anything else. In fact, Joe didn't even come out and do anything. He didn't go anywhere. He came. He spoke from his basement where he was hiding, and it was always attacking about COVID, right? That's all they talked about was COVID over and over and over and over and over until they got elected. And then they said they were going to stop COVID and, and kill COVID, and more people have died now uh, in less time under this president than died under the last president in his uh, whole entire year of COVID by more than 100,000 people. And we're not even done with the year. We still have this month left in it for people to die. So we're already at more people dying in 2021 than died in 2020 from the same thing. Yet they're downplaying it now and saying, there's nothing to see here. It's all good. That's because now they're starting to realize maybe we should start reporting all the other things that we weren't reporting where people were dying from. So the numbers are going to have to start dropping off now because um, they're now trying to claim that the Republicans are the ones that are trying to keep this whole thing going which is the same thing they said about racism when uh, the when the civil war happened it was 100% democrats in the south and the kkk at their 2 million strong in america were 100% to the man a democrat they were the ones who wanted slavery not the republicans the republicans abraham lincoln freed the slaves he was an abolitionist look up that word it means to abolish right okay so the tools are here. They've always been here. People just haven't seen them because they've taken the narrative. They've hijacked the matrix and they've eradicated all uh, ideology of personal self, all personal being, all personal spiritualism. All of that has been eradicated off the face of the earth. And it's only been in the last 60 to 80 years that people have started talking about that. Before that, it was spiritual and praying to God, but not believing that you were anything other than a construct, a slave, whether you wanted to believe that or not. And they tried to push the narrative that we were a slave because if we all believe that, they can show up and say, hi, we're your saviors. 
We're the ones freeing you or hi, we're your slave masters. We're the ones that created you. They don't care which. They just need, they're vampires. They need permission to come in the house. And so they know that if we give them permission, they can become whatever it is that we decide they are because we'll make it so. Because we are in control of this matrix here in this reality on this planet. Okay. So let's continue with what she's saying here and see if she in any way, which it doesn't look like she is going to, because she's getting into it is the, it is my intention, although is not a part of my mission orders. This is important, right? Because she said Nikola Tesla, she ended with there and I paused it. It is my intention, although not a part of my mission orders to assist you in your efforts to advance scientific and humanitarian progress on Earth. She noticed she didn't say anything about spiritual at all there. Let's let's continue. Not a part of my mission orders to assist you in your efforts to advance scientific and humanitarian progress on Earth. My intention is to help other ISBEs to help themselves. In order to solve the amnesia problem on Earth, you will need much more advanced technology as well as social stability to allow enough time for research and need much more advanced technology as well as social stability to allow enough time for research and development of techniques to free the ISBE from the body and to free the mind of the ISBE from amnesia. Okay, I want to point out there that in what she's saying there, is the subliminal message. This is why I'm telling you that she is she is delivering the message of the AI God. Because she said, the only way that you're going to get out of here is you need more technology. You need to create more technology. She said that over and over. That's the there's your Jedi mind trick. So what she's claiming is that we, you, me, and everybody, there's no possible way for us to spiritually understand and free ourselves unless we have more technology. That's a lie. Because if that were true, all of the people and prophets throughout time would not have known what they know, which is exactly what she said. Ergo, Jesus Christ, Mohammed, and in, in just let's look at a, a Chinese prophet from the year 604, right? The Tao Te Ching, which means the, the Book of the Way, written by Lao Chi. And what Lao Chi said was the same thing that she was saying. So all of the information that she's giving without any technology whatsoever by our technological standards, they're bumpkins. They rode horses and threw spears at each other and fought with swords. <clears throat> they had no technology whatsoever except for milling and fermenting and growing crops. And they, and they just discovered gunpowder. Yet those people were able to be enlightened all the way through time and space not everyone, because most people bought into this avatar and this reality. But those who pondered past the reality were able to figure that out and write it in history for us to know about. So here she tells us, you can't know it until you have more technology. Do you understand that? That's a lie. The technology has made it easier for us to access this information and easier for me to pass it on to you to get it to people in a very quick manner where before I would have to write a book and hope that people found it and go on tour. And if we didn't have technology to advertise it, it was, you know, people went ahead and, and put posters up in the city prior to you getting there. So people would see it in the city and know the show up at the library or whatever you were going to be, wherever you're going to be Carnegie hall or wherever you were going to be to talk uh, to people about it or some college or a book signing somewhere at a bookstore. 
So things moved a lot slower than they do with a technological age, guaranteed. But we didn't figure all of this out because of the technology. So there, I, I believe that that is the AI God working through her, telling her technology, technology. Are you saying to us, technology, 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 you need technology so that you can be better understand. Why would we need technology to better understand that which was in, within ourselves? We wouldn't. Do you see? So right there, she went with the tell the truth, and then she Jedi mind tricked everybody with the, the inserting, you need technology. You need technology. You need more technology. You need it all technology. AI, AI, AI. Do you understand where she's going with that? This is why I believe that she, that she works for, if not worships, the AI God. Although the domain has a long-term interest in maintaining Earth as a useful planet, it has no particular interest in the human population. Right? The converse says that's, that's obviously wrong. We don't simply, and we simply don't feel the need to evolve if we were already know the truth, which is, which is it, wait, wait, which is it's only about evading space and uh, travel outside. And then he's then he was referring to what I said. He said that's it, right? So, so yeah, and, and that's the truth that we don't need technology at all to get here. With all entire swaths of this planet, and I refer to in South America and Central America, there were groups of people that lived here that, according to Ra, in the in the Law of One, so the 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 books of the raw material, the six books of the raw material, according to them. They said that that not just their hive mind complex was here, but two other groups, and possibly maybe three other groups, or might have been four at the time, were assisting the human race to evolve faster. And at least one or two entire races of people in South America ascended and disappeared off the face of the earth. And we know that they disappeared. We know this because they're just not there. And we also know that they did not integrate into the societies around them because they've looked to see. There's 2 million people living in this city. If they all left this city, first of all, they all didn't die here because we'd find skeletons. So they all disappeared and everything was in place. We're finding that like in the middle of dinner and it just disappeared. So they had a rapture and they all ascended because no one migrated. There was no influx of people overpopulating or, 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 you know, extension of a population surrounding any of that area. They literally just disappeared off face, face of the earth. Scientists would rather believe UFOs came down here and captured all of them than to believe that there was a spiritual moment that happened. They won't even say that either, but that's what they would, they would rather believe that even though they don't believe in UFOs either, because it's not tangible. They have no idea how to explain what happened to those people. Right. Yet on a spiritual level, on a mystic, uh, a mystical level, they graduated. They got out of this this uh, 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 panic room, this this uh, uh, trap. Right. That's how they created so so many different races. Right. Right. OK, so. Let's continue here. So there, again, there's she's Jedi minds tricks us. And then she's going to start with although the domain has a long term interest in maintaining earth as a useful planet 
creation of Earth other than its own personnel here. We are interested in preventing the destruction as well as accelerating the development of technologies that will sustain the infrastructures of the global biosphere, hydrosphere, and atmosphere. To this end, you will discover on very careful and thorough examination that my spacecraft contains a wide assortment of technology that does not exist on your Earth. If you distribute pieces of this craft to various scientists for study, they will be able to reverse engineer some of the technology to the extent that Earth has the raw materials required to replicate these components. Some features will be indecipherable. Other features cannot be duplicated as Earth does not have the natural resources required to replicate them. This is especially true of the metals used to construct the craft. Not only do these metals not exist on Earth, the refining process required to produce these metals took billions of years to develop. It is also true of the navigation system which requires... I'm not thinking it took billions of years to develop a metal. That's a long time. Right. I mean, I know it's a memory metal and I know it's super thin and I know that you could crumple it up and let go of it. and It just pops right back with no wrinkles. Right. We know that. Right. I mean, that would be perfect for us. If you look at the, the, the uh, vehicles that we've made for space travel being made out of basically gold plated aluminum foil. A lot of you guys don't realize that. <laughs> Everyone thinks that when we're in space, that everything is this hard shell. It's, it wasn't with the with the different like the landers and stuff that we had. They, they weren't it was just the ones that flew back and forth. Anything else, when you were living in a biosphere, it was it was aluminum foil. You could put your finger through the thing to the outside, right? Something could pass right through it, like a, you know, whatever, like a rock or whatever could pass right through it and break a hole in it. That's no joke. People don't realize that, right? So th so I can see them with that, whatever that, uh, that you know, that metal is. I don't know what it would take a billion years to make, right? And then, and then you're only using it for a spaceship and what? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm just saying that doesn't track. Anyway, let's continue. There's an ISBE whose own personal wavelength has been specifically attuned to the neural network of the craft. The pilot. Well, that much, I believe she stated that earlier that literally your, your neural net is linked to the craft so that the pilots and the, and the captain are the only ones who can uh, um, work that ship. It's like we're trying to do now with smart guns where only the person who owns the gun can fire it and no one else can. But you don't hear about that. Technology exists and it works. But you don't hear about that because they don't want to have gun security. They want gun control. They want guns gone. They don't want to have guns that are out there that if someone steals it, they can't use it because it's not, it's not uh, you know, their signature isn't your bio signature, right? They have that technology already and it exists. In fact, so much so that in, in New Jersey, they already passed a law in New Jersey that if, if someone passes a law to make smart guns, the way of the future to get rid of the guns that don't have the, you know, that ability that they automatically will um, uh, not allow any guns at all in the, in the, in uh, New Jersey. So they're already taking in steps to, if someone says we're going to go to all smart guns to get rid of the old guns that, you know, and hopefully turn them in or find them uh, except for people who are keeping them as, as ancient uh, keepsakes or whatever to get those all off the streets so that we don't have any weapons that can be stolen and used. The state of New Jersey has already decided to outlaw guns uh, and the freedom of people having guns if we enact smart guns.
you can look that up. Right? So they don't even tell you that that's a thing. You don't even hear about that. There's nothing ever spoken, ever spoken on television about a smart gun. You won't hear it. Try to bring it up. See if you can get somebody to talk about it uh, on the news. They won't because they don't want you knowing that there's an alternative there. Because if everybody in America knew that, they'd go, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's just make it so the gun's only fired by the guy who owns it. It's, it's tailored to your signature. At first, it was a button that you had to have, and then it was your fingerprint, right? And said, well, we can get around those. Then it was a, 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 you know, a device that you had to have on you, like a pager or something. And people were trying to short that out. So there was already the trial and error in this evolutional process of the smart gun is already on the way to literally being tied to your genetic code. It's already gotten that far with the technology. Yes, thank you. Converse said that just reminds me so much of the movie Equilibrium, right? Now think about that. And I'm sure you're referring to that law that was already there. If you guys don't know what the movie Equilibrium was, you should watch it. What's his name? Christian Bale uh, was starred in it in his early days, uh, and it was brilliant. Brilliant. It was done, uh, and he was supposed to be in England, I believe it was supposed to be. I don't think it was America, but it doesn't matter. They had locked down the city, and what they did was they decided as a society that the human race, our emotions, our emotions and our spirituality was what was getting in our way. So all humans had to take a shot every day. And it and it took away all your emotions. So you didn't have any emotional uh, attachment. You didn't no emotions whatsoever, right? They kind of redid the the movie with um, was it The Giver? Is that what it was called uh, with Jeff Bridges? We'll get into that in a minute. So then they had the this priestly cast of people who were psychic, and those people were cops, and their job was to. To, and they even had little kids doing it to where they would stand with guards, military guards, of course. And they were like, you know, stormtroopers dressed in all black and had a helmet on and they gloves. So you couldn't tell if they were a man or a woman or what color they were. And they would stand one on either side and the child would stand up on a, on a, a, a you know, above the people as they're walking by. And they would use their mental abilities to tap into people's minds to see if anybody was feeling emotion. And if they were, the boy would point at them and they would capture that person and they would go and, and wipe their mind. And they kept everybody mind wiped uh, to emotions and some people mind wiped to not know what's going on. <clears throat> and uh, nothing, everything was outlawed. No, no color. Everything was gray and black, no one and white. Uh, you had, there was no, no color whatsoever. There was no books. There was no uh, pictures. There was nothing. Uh, music, all of that was outlawed. Religion, all of that was outlawed. Everything was controlled centrally by the by the uh, the state, <clears throat> and it was controlled by father. <clears throat> and father was a character that, come to find out, was a, a computer. He didn't even exist, and the guy who was controlling it was a human being who was the second in command. And guess what? He was never mind wiped, and he was never had his emotions wiped. And only him and a couple top dogs were completely outside of the reality that everybody else was living in, which was uh, being kept with no emotions and no feelings and nothing and, and, and nothing of any kind of pleasure or at all. And what happened was one, one of the, uh, one of the priestly cast, one of the cops, uh, he started reading a book uh, and I forget his name. The guy who played that part, he's also a famous uh, English actor, actor. He was in Lord of the Rings. He played Boromir. I can't think of his name right now. Um, He was reading a book and, uh, 
and Christian Bale went outside the the wire and found him because they were they were they suspected that he was uh, not dosing. Uh, and so the whole thing starts with that. And eventually Christian Bale stops dosing uh, and he starts to see that the whole thing is evil. Uh, and he and he is the hero character. He becomes the the Jesus character in the story, the the Thor character in the story. Uh, and he and he then uh, goes up against this A.I. God, not knowing that it's an A.I. God that he's going up against. And then eventually he uh, fights this guy and ever the good cast. Great story. Uh, and that movie with Jeff Bridges I was talking about was basically the same thing. It was set in America, though. And everybody who had their mind was wiped and all of everything was erased from their minds. And they lived in a city and they couldn't go outside the city. And only one person got to know the knowledge. And that was the person who had the Jeff Bridges character in this uh, uh, sense was the only person who had uh, the he was the bearer of all the knowledge, uh, which means all the good, all the bad, all the uh, uh, everything uh, in the universe. Right. And um, sorry, the same person is calling me at the same time that called me while I was on my show last week. So that person knows I'm on the air and trying to call me. I'm going to block him. He's a guy in Africa. And for some reason, he decides that he thinks he can just call me at will. And he tries to call me while I'm on air. So just so you know, if you're listening to me on, on air, bro, I'm blocking you right after I'm done here because you've done that two times to me now where you called me. Um, so you're going to be blocked. <laughs> right. I, you know, that's rude. I don't know why people do that here in America. We don't, we don't cotton to somebody we don't know just calling us out of the blue. Uh, you know, some places around the world, I guess that might be something that's okay to do in America. You don't just do that. You don't just, you don't just ring somebody up from Africa or from somewhere else and go, Hey, hi, saw you online there. Wanted to call and say hi to you. I don't know who you are. Never met you before. Right. So what, why are you calling me? If you want to contact me, do it in messenger. And then if we start talking uh, and then I feel that we need to speak to each other or you will, or we both agree to it, then we'll speak to each other. But just because you, uh, you click the friend button and I clicked accept doesn't mean that means, what does that mean? You can walk in my house whenever you want to as well. Well, we're friends on Facebook. Thought I'd come over and not even knock and just walked in for us. It's rude over here in America that you just call somebody for no apparent reason. If you're already friends with them or your family or you've been friends for a long time, you earn that right and it's okay then for you to do that. But if you're somebody that we literally just met and don't know, we don't we don't we don't dig that. We're not we're not that open. Um, some people think we're rude that way. Um, that's just the way we are. <laughs> and because of what I do, because of this, what I do here, I don't just accept phone calls from anybody. Right. Because I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're if you're sent here by the A.I. God. I don't know if you're trying to 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 uh, get information on me. I don't know any of that stuff. So I'm not going to answer the phone. and Just talk to people who just dial me up. Right. Unless I already know them and then they're in my circle and then I'll allow them to do that. So that's annoying. And this person's done it twice now while I'm on air. Never any other time. Except for the two times, the last two times I've been on air. OK, so that's done on purpose. First time you do it, it's an accident. So then they don't call me for a day at all. And I'm not on air and I get on air and it's the exact same time of the day. And whoop, phone rings again. Come on. That's rude. That's you're going to get blocked out of that deal. OK, so <laughs> getting back to what I was talking about before I got mad at that person. Right. Plain living, uh, Con says, well, hey, hey, Peter said something first. So let's throw that up here. Calling the new variant of the new strand of the virus. It's called, and then see, they have another name there. So they're calling it, Met, uh, what is that, Metatron over there? Okay, so they're calling it, they're calling it, uh, um, what are they calling it here? It's the Greek word for 15. Omicron, they're calling it Omicron over here, right? Yeah, they're calling it Omicron. That's the Greek word for the for the number 15, the 15th letter of the alphabet uh, in Greek. Uh, so, yes, yeah, and it's just the same thing. It's all bullshit, bro. 
We know that. I don't want to talk about that right now because I'll get taken off the air, right? <laughs> algorithm, algorithm, crank collar, prank collar. Okay, so Converse says, plain living with no other meaning than serving uh, serving father overall. Right, serving the one, serving the all, right? Yeah, suspicious even, <laughs> right? Talking about the person, if I, they're called once, you know, twice in one day and I was on air, then not the next day when I was off air, and then called right back once here at the same time while I'm on air today. That's suspicious even, Right. <laughs> Agreed. OK, so let's continue with what Errol's saying here. Right. I'm not sure where we left off. Normally, I like to try and do that and get to the word. I apologize that I've gone on long enough to where I don't remember what part of the paragraph we were at. So I'm just going to go ahead and cut back and let her start talking. Of the craft must possess a very high order of energy, volition, discipline, training and intelligence to manipulate such a craft is be Okay, so she was talking about the neural network of the craft being attuned to the specific person. So the pilot of the craft must possess a very high uh, order of, of energy, of, of volition, di uh, discipline, training, and intelligence to maintain such a craft. These on Earth are incapable of this expertise because it requires the use of an artificial body specifically created for this purpose. Certain individual Earth scientists, some of whom are among the most brilliant minds in the history of the universe, will have their memory of this technology jogged when they examine the craft components, just as some of the scientists and physicists on Earth have been able to remember how to recreate electronic generators, internal combustion, and steam locomotion, refrigeration, aircraft, antibiotics, and other tools of your civilization, they will also rediscover other vital technology in my craft. The following are the specific systems embodied in my craft that contain useful components. There is an assortment of microscopic wiring or fibers within the walls of the craft that control such things as communications, information storage, computer function, and automatic navigation. This that she's referring to is fiber optics. Okay. You have to remember this is in 1947. The following are specific systems embedded in my craft, which contain very useful components. There is an assortment of microscopic wiring or fibers, fiber optics, right? Now, those of you who don't know that, I know that for a fact. We got fiber optics by reverse engineering technology from this specific spacecraft in 1947 that didn't exist because there was, quote unquote, no alien spaceship that crash landed in Roswell, New Mexico, end quote. Okay, that's where we got fiber optics from. And AT&T benefited from that and became a monopoly and had to be split up in the 80s into uh, several small companies or two. And then eventually uh, three or four broke loose uh, from that. Two or three more broke loose from that. Sprint being one of them. And now they're gone. They sold Sprint to uh, um, T-Mobile. But Sprint was a bunch of the people from AT&T that broke off and created their own country, their own company. And, of course, then they used the fiber optic lines. Everyone borrowed the fiber optic lines uh, that they owned and, uh, and the patents, too. Uh, and now everybody uses those. Everything is fiber optics, and they're getting into uh, radio waves now. That's where we have uh, the Internet and stuff hooked up to Wi-Fi, right? But everything still goes through the fiber optic lines to the, to the, to the source here. Uh, and then, you know, the Wi-Fi out from there, right? same wiring is used for light, sublight, and ultralight spectrum detection and vision. The fabrics of the interior of the craft are far superior to any on Earth at this time and have hundreds of thousands of applications. 
You will also find mechanisms for creating, amplifying, and channeling light particles or waves as a form of energy. As an officer, pilot, and engineer of the domain for... See, now, and we have this stuff as well, right? But I'm not going to go into those details right now of, of what those materials are. I gave you the first one. You guys got to do a little bit of research on what she just said, right? But we do have that and have reversed engineered stuff too, right? Right? Yeah, right? And, and Converse said these suits are too, <laughs> right? There's another clue. Forces I am not at liberty to discuss or convey the detailed operation or construction of the craft in any way other than what I have just disclosed. However, I am confident that there are many competent engineers on Earth who will develop useful technology with these resources. I am yes, Converse is on to it. He said, because they reflect the light back to you. 100%. Right? And see here now, obviously she's trying to help us because she's like, okay, so the ship, you guys have the ship and I'm giving you secrets. I'm telling you there's some stuff and pointing you in a direction to find some stuff. Right. And then on top of that, she's then saying, well, I can't give you any of this information. However, I am confident that there are many competent engineers on earth who will develop useful technology with these resources. I'm providing these details to you in the hope that the greater good of the domain will be served. See, so there, the, again, she's claiming that the domain basically is the all to understand. But it's, it's her version of that because that's the conquering power that she resides with, volunteers for. So chapter 11, we're going to go ahead and, con and continue and start that because basically that's really where we ended, right? And I backed up. So... Uh, I don't want to just uh, not start here. So we'll get into it a little bit. I don't know how far we'll get, though. So for those of you who are listening on the MP3 file, we're going to Chapter 12. And then it'll start here in a second. Roswell, Alien Interview, Chapter 12, A Lesson in Immortality. Matilda O'Donnell McElroy, personal note. She's the person that that is channeling. Those of you, if you did come in and you haven't heard her name before, the uh, Matilda O'Donnell uh, McElroy is, in fact, the nurse who Errol, the alien, the gray alien, communicated through tel telepathy with. So the person who is speaking, although it's a male voice because they put it, I don't know if it's a computer, I don't think it is. I think a, a, some human was reading this because he snorted and giggled at one point, uh, a couple of different places. Uh, and everybody thought it was me that was doing that. And I had to actually say, no, listen, let me rewind that and mute my microphone so you could see that it was him, the guy who was reading it, who snorted and, and things. So that's the person, she's deceased. And all of this information that she stole, fabricated and had with her or remembered or or. Uh, tucked away that the government didn't get from her. Uh, she then put it all together or put it together, didn't correlate at all, but put all of it together and mailed it to this uh, reporter who then compiled it all and put it together and made this, this uh, uh, four hour video of reading all of her stuff. So here's another top secret, right? Official, um, official transcript of interview top secret with Errol, the alien. So here we go. I think the following transcript is pretty much self-explanatory. Official transcript of interview, top secret, 
Official Transcript of the U.S. Army Air Force, Russell Army Airfield 509th Bomb Group, Subject, Alien Interview, July 30, 1947, First Session. Immortal spiritual beings, which I refer to as ISBEs for the sake of convenience, are the source and creators of illusions, each one individually and collectively. Now, I want to point out that even though she says here, uh, first session, this was not the very first session of the, uh, it was the first session of that day. Do you understand? So it wasn't the very first session because some people were, would said to me, wait a minute, they put the first session in four hours in, almost four hours in? No. It was the first session of July 30th, 1947. Continuing. In their original unfettered state of being are an eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing entity. Isbees create space by imagining a location. The intervening distance between themselves and the imagined location is what we call space. And Isbees... Okay, so now this is actually telling the truth. Again, now she's going she's gonna to give you some truth, and then she's going to spin it somewhere. So let me, let me back up again. Immortal spiritual beings, which I refer to as Isbees. Where do you know that, right? And uh, Ra referred them uh, to, uh, to uh, um, um, mind, body, the spirit complex was a person, right? And she says Isby, right? For the sake of, co of convenience are the source and creators of illusions. Each one individually, referring to each one of us, person, being, individually and collectively in their original unfettered state of being are an eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing entity. Isbees create space by imagining a location, right? The intervening distance between themselves and the imagined location is what we call space. And then, she doesn't say that right here, but she might. And then the distance between yourself and that place, and if you move from where you are to that place, is time. The time that it takes for you to move transverse the distance from point A to point B is time in space. So then you have space-time, right? Or you have time-space. Do you understand? So... Everything happens now, but the distance in between something takes time to go, right? Unless you immediately transport yourself there. But if you move from one place to the next, then it takes time to get there. That's the only time that time exists is when you're traveling from one point to another and you're traversing the entire distance instead of jumping over that distance through a wormhole or by projecting yourself immediately there instantaneously. So if you're not capable of doing that, then it takes you time to go from one place to another. Do you understand? All right, let's continue. She says, Isbees create and imagine. Wait, how far did we get with that? Uh, a location, I already said that. And space, uh, um, the space and objects. So that's where she probably is. is Isbee can perceive the space and objects created by other Isbees. We can perceive the space and objects created by other Isbees. Isbees are not physical universe entities. They are a source of energy and illusion. See, energy and illusion. So, so her reality is the reality of the matrix, right? That some of it is real and some of it's illusion. Even, even uh, um, what's his name, uh, Lao Chi said the same thing, that 
the madness of the human race is the understanding or the lack of the understanding that the universe isn't real. And that he who can create an illusion outside of the regular world and make that illusion as real as the regular world is someone who is already on their way to graduating and to ascending. Meaning that you're the creator and if you, what you create if you realize that what you create becomes as below, so above, as within, so without, then it becomes so. And the Jesus parody showed you that by walking on water, turning water into wine, making the the the, you know, the dead rise from the grave, bringing him back to, to life, making the blind see, healing the sick, healing the maim. It was what? Through his will and power of love and creation to change the matrix to his will. Do you understand? And all of us can perceive that. An Isby can perceive the space and objects created by another Isby. Do you understand? So Jesus and others, but Jesus specifically and all the other Jesus characters in history, because we know there was at least 12. They had different names, but they were doing all the same things. Born of a virgin mother, walking on water, turning water to wine, healing the sick, you know, of, uh, making the blind see, bringing the dead back to life. That many in history, at least 12, that we can remember, did the same exact thing. So were they the exact same uh, uh, energy coming through, the exact same person, the exact same immortal soul? I believe so. I don't think that they were completely different. I think they were the same immortal soul coming to this world in in different places throughout time over and over and over again to uh, change the fabric and ideology and belief system of the planet to get us to see this information, that we are in control of the matrix. That's what's been taken from us. And that is what all the, the, the uh, Gospels talk about, all, especially the ones they took out of the Bible. That's what all of those talk about. And there's uh, other things, too, where they, where they talk about the duality of the, of the Godhead and the creation. Right. Yeah. And let's not forget about dark matter. Converse is dark matter. Let's not forget about dark matter. And let's not forget about fractals. Right. But I don't want to get into that right now because that's the other side of the coin. Right. That's the other energy of the of the universe. Do you understand? And we'll get into that at another time. Let's continue. Isbees are not located in space or time, but can create space, place particles in space, create energy and shape particles into various forms, cause the motion of forms, and animate forms. Any form which is animated by an isbi is called life. An isbi can decide to agree that they are located in space or time, and that they themselves are an object, or any other manner of illusion created by themselves, or another, or other isbis. The disadvantages of creating an illusion is that an illusion must be continually created. If not continually created, it disappears. Continual creation of an illusion requires incessant attention to every detail of the illusion in order to sustain it. A common denominator... That is why illusionists do what they do, but they can only do it for a short period of time, right? Because they're the only ones doing it. Right. So so other people who don't believe make it harder for them to occupy that space and continue. So they so they do it in a way where people go, wow, that was magic. And I'm sure it was just a slide of hand. Right. Yet you can't prove it. 
hence why the television show that that uh, what's what's her names have uh, I can't think of their names right now, but I, I love them. The one the two uh, magicians, one speaks and one doesn't. Um, uh, ben and uh, 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 what is it? Ben and Teller? No, uh, uh, am I saying that right? Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller. They have that show that says uh, you know uh, win their prize by fooling them. You come out on stage and you do your magic trick, and if they can't figure it out, you win. And you get a trophy and you get your name on a, uh, you know, on the list of really good magicians who were able to fool two of the greatest magicians that know all and have studied all of the magicians and all of that entire, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, pantheon, religion, uh, if you will, or uh, whatever, however you want to call that. And that's a great show. If you've never seen it, you should take a look at it. And I'm sure there's a version of it in England that started first. Because 99% of all shows that America comes up with is, was an English show first. <laughs> we stole it. So we don't have an original thought in America. <laughs> right? We don't have an original thought in America. So it's crazy, right? Right? Oh, that's funny. Denise says, I know a lot of Isbies that just take up space. Most of the people here do. That's the problem that we're in. That is our dilemma. Is that most of the Isbies on this planet are just taking up space because they don't know that they that they are, they're just stuck. That's why we're stuck. That's why everybody here is stuck because the majority of the people here don't realize that they are an immortal soul. They don't realize they are part of the one. That we're all the same and that we're all one and that we're all just the only difference that we have is those things we changed about ourselves to be individual. Do you understand? That's what I'm here to try and and help you guys with so that you guys can help other people with that so we can all help everybody and tell two friends and so on and so on and so on and eventually hit that seminal point where it's downhill and the snowball starts picking up uh, steam and starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and pretty soon it encompasses everyone and we all wake up and we get out of this freaking place right all right let's continue here leader of isbees seems to be the desire to avoid boredom a spirit only without interaction with other isbees and the unpredictable motion, drama, and unanticipated intentions and illusions being created by other isbees is easily bored. What if you could imagine anything, perceive everything, and cause anything to happen at will? What if you couldn't do anything else? What if you always knew the outcome of every game and the answer to every question? Would you get bored? No, I would get really rich. Just saying. And everybody else would, too. That's why we don't get to know that. The entire back time track of Isbees is immeasurable, nearly infinite in terms of physical universe time. There is no measurable beginning or end for an Isbe. They simply... See, I was thinking, that reminded me, I was watching, I don't know if you guys have seen the TV show, the new one that's on television here in America. It's called La Brea. And because it, it started at the La Brea tar pits in L.A., and uh, some some phenomenon happened in a, in a large sinkhole the size of half of L.A., <laughs> almost, opened up and people fell in it but didn't die. They ended up back in L.A. 10,000 years ago, right? But they're stuck 10,000 years ago, and they're trying to figure out how to get out. And there's this light in the sky, and, and it's a, an event that happens, and, the, and there's these different uh, you know, wormholes, if you believe, or you want, or a Rosenbridge, something that it opens up in different places. And they found out that there was one that would return you to 1984 from 2021. And they were saying to the people, do you want to go back in time? And everybody was like, no, not really. And I was thinking to myself, I'd be rich. 
with the knowledge that I know now of who wins every single World Series and every single Super Bowl and all the other sporting events and, and hit lottery numbers, I'll go back to 1984. I'll be, I'll be uh, Bill Gates before the end of uh, 1985. <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you can't mess with time, right? That's the whole back to the future, the whole, the whole uh, scheme that worked for that was that he, that he got a hold of that book, that the, the uh, uh, sports almanac that told him who was going to win everything. And, and Biff used it to end up becoming rich and, and uh, winning all this money, right? And then, of course, basically destroying our society while doing it and turning it into a pit. So they had to rewrite time. That was the whole dichotomy. That was the entire ideology of Back to the Future and all of those movies was somebody going back in time and screwing with time and screwing it up, right? Um, Ray Bradbury wrote, I think it was Ray Bradbury that wrote that. It might have been Philip K. Dick. Somebody wrote a, a book about that and was talking about these people that were going back in time uh, and when they would go dinosaur hunting. And they would go back in time and track a dinosaur. And when the dinosaur was about to die from natural causes, they would lead a party there and they would kill the dinosaur. And it wouldn't change time because the dinosaur was supposed to die anyways. And they would get their trophy and film it and the whole nines and then come forward in time. Right. And of course, it was it was so apropos because one time they came back and time was missed, was was messed up. It was wrong. And what had happened was when they when you get there, they have these the, this uh, uh, walkway that hovers above the ground for you to walk on. And they tell you, do not go off of this path at all because you could change history. You have to stay on this hoverboard everywhere you go. And the one of the hunters slipped and he fell off and one foot landed on the ground. And then he got back up and took off and didn't tell anybody. When they got back to the future, the future had changed uh, dramatically. And um, they, then, uh, you know, the, the guy, the leader of the, of the expedition was checking everybody. And when he got to that guy, he checked his feet. And apropos Lee, he had a butterfly on his boot that he had stepped on and killed. The butterfly effect changed the course of history and he changed history completely. And it was irreversible because you can't go back in time and unstep on the, on the butterfly. So, so the story ends with the head of the uh, expedition pulling out a gun and shooting the guy through the skull and killing him dead because he screwed up all of society and the whole universe because he uh, stepped off the edge and killed a butterfly, which changed the course of history for the entire um, world that we live on. And I don't remember if that was Philip K. Dick or Ray Bradbury, but it was one of those two because they're brilliant, brilliant science fiction writers and wrote uh, short stories. Uh, so it was, it was really cool. You could, I don't even remember what it was called. Might have been the butterfly effect because that's what, that's what the theory is right there. Uh, and so it was beautiful that they used the butterfly. And I don't know if that was how they based the butterfly effect for the theory. I don't know where that came from or how old it is. So the butterfly effect may have been around first. And if it was, he used that there. And if not, that might be, have been the uh, beginning of the thought of the butterfly effect, right? The butterfly flaps its wings here, say, in my house, and that the, what, the air changes, the current changes, and it affects things, and it could affect a drought in, in China because of one flick of the butterfly's wings in a certain spot at the right time, which is, the, right, the Mandela effect, same thing, right? So, yeah, and I mean, that's crazy. So that's been around for a while, but I love that they integrated that into a story. And then he shoots the guy in the head. <laughs> All right, let's continue here. ...exist in an everlasting now. Another common denominator of Isbees is that admiration of one's own illusions by others is very desirable. If the desired admiration is not forthcoming, 
The ISBI will keep creating the illusion in an attempt to get admiration. One could say that the entire physical universe is made of unadmired illusions. Well, and, and in essence, it's true. If you if you look at, I don't know, remember which book it was, uh, uh, in the Gnostic Gospels, they talk about that, where the creator literally has to create, just like she said here, continue to create reality uh, for it to be there, and that the creator is doing that, but there's no one there for the creator. There wasn't anyone there to admire the creation. So the creator created us so that we could admire the beauty of the creation, the illusion that was created and is being created constantly over and over and over again by the creator. And that we were created so that we, there would be somebody who would look at it and revel in its beauty and be able to witness it and experience it and see it for what it was. You know, so basically we're living in this art gallery that has been created or the stage uh, play that has been created for us to be in, to experience. And, uh, and, and that literally we were created so that we could experience this. So the gift of the creation was given to us, not only to witness, but to enact with and take part in the creation to then create ourselves. And that's one of the things we're supposed to learn is that not just the creator who creates that we are and will ascend to that creation. So we have that power. It's an incorruptible power that we were given upon our creation that we have the ability to create. But we have to move on and, and, and get to a place and graduate into a place where we can can create with our heart chakra and create out of love. But the only way that you can do that is that you have to then, you know, get into the indigo uh, uh, areas and then above to the to the purple so that you then understand that you're not just this construct and that you are something higher. But then the creation comes from the heart. That's love. That's the creation. That's the logos. That's what that word means. That word means love. So the word of God, the word was logos. So Jesus is the word. The word is love. Love is creation. So, ergo, we are created out of love. The entire universe is created out of love. And therefore, we, because we're part of not, the, we weren't created, we're not fake, right? We're not AI, we're not fake, we're real. And that's the, that's the thing that was taken from us, the memory, the most important one that was taken from us is that we are an immortal being. And we have to remember that. Once you remember that and you feel that, you, there's no going back from that. You can't unlearn that. Unless you die and get re-mind wiped, right? So it's not like in the movie The Matrix where you can go to some avatar who is the police that's the Matrix cops and say, put me back in. Give me the, you know, give me the, the blue pill and I'll go to sleep, right? Only make me a rock star or something so that I'm famous. There is, there is none of those people there for you. You could put your head in the sand and try and make it go away, and eventually you will ignore it all. So in a sense, you can do that, but you have to look within yourself and make that decision. Do you understand? And yeah, and Converse says, yes, and to rejuvenate their own soul. Yes, that's exactly what has been taken from us, is that memory, is that ability. Because to know that thing is to control that thing. He who controls the spice controls the universe. There's a quote from Dune. He who controls the matrix controls the universe. 
Do you understand? The spice was the matrix in their universe because the because the it gave them power. When you ate the spice, which was red, by the way, <laughs> when you ate the spice, it enhanced your uh, cognitive abilities and gave you the knowledge that you were something higher than you are. And if you were the savior character, which was the, the Paul Atreides character, he was the savior. He was the, he was the hero character. So therefore he was the Godhead. He was Jesus. That was what the, the, that was the same creation story that the, of, of, they were trying to, to control him. Right. And he wouldn't be controlled. And you had the witches who were trying to make his character uh, through genetic uh, manipulation, but they were trying to make sure they could control him and they couldn't. And he said when he awoke, he ate the spice and transmuted that and ascended to the place of controlling the spice, which meant he could control the movement from one place to another without moving. He could bend space. He then killed the, the worm that was controlling it and took back control for the humans. And he said to the witches when, when he was there and confronted them, he said, look to that place where you dare not look and you will find me there staring back at you. Because he had become. And he had taken his place as the savior and freed the universe from the control of the cabal. Exact same. That's why if you, I'm serious. Read the books of Dune or watch the movie. They have a new one with Jason Momoa that, that either just came out or is about to. Watch that movie and pay attention, people. It's the same story as the creation stories. It's the same story as the Savior story. It's being retold again and again and again in everything we do. Uh, you can watch that movie with Mila Kunis, where it was uh, Jupiter Ascending, I believe it was called, or Jupiter Rising. Same thing, only that one was telling you the story about Adrenochrome as well. Right. And the harvesting of uh, adrenal chrome for sale in the universe and that drug. You should watch that movie. Right. Because the light won't allow to be deceived. Correct. It's uncorruptible. It's incorruptible. That is an immortal skill. Jesus Christ, when he was created, asked the creation, his mother, father, asked if he could then be incorruptible. And they made him incorruptible. That, that well, first of all, means that he's immortal. And secondly, it means that he cannot be turned. Cannot be turned. Incorruptible. And, and then in the same text, it says, when the human race was originally created, we were given an incorruptible ability. What is that incorruptible ability? That incorruptible ability is the ability to create. So we were given all of the same tools to ascend to and become that which Jesus is already and to ascend through that, through that to become again back with the one. So we have an incorruptible ability of creation. So the only thing that can corrupt that ability is the mind. So when they take and wipe the mind and then tell you something different. You're a slave. You're in a slave labor camp. You were created by me as your creator God to mine materials. And if everybody believes that, guess what? As within, so without. As, a, as below, so above. Now we change the narrative here because we all believe we're slaves, and now we're slaves. That's what they're pushing for, and they have been pushing for for a thousand years. However, like Converse said, because the light won't allow to be deceived, people like you and me are here now going, bullshit, 
Uh, <laughs> bullshit. Not buying that shit. Because why? Some of us are incorruptible. Some of us remember that. And the second that you are enlightened, when you eat that fruit, which happened to be red, by the way, <laughs> the red pill, when you take the red pill, then what happens? You gain the knowledge that you are. I think, therefore, I am. The very first chakra in the, in the body or in anything in the universe is the red chakra, the root chakra. And that chakra represents the I am. Do you understand? Then the number two chakra is the orange chakra, and that is the I feel chakra. And the number three chakra is the yellow ray chakra, and that is the I do chakra. Do you understand? We live on the third planet from the sun, which is a yellow ray sun, in the third position of the third chakra, which is the I do. And that is what we do here is we do. We know we are. We don't know what we are, but we feel. So we have the pain body. And now we are doers. This is where we learn to create. So you have to learn to understand that you're a higher thing, that you are something, that you are. Those are those, you're already aware of that. But what is your abilities? I feel, I think, I am, I do. Okay, well, where is I love? Well, that's the next step up. <laughs> that's after you graduate from yellow ray. You start learning wisdom and love. Do you understand? So we have to go from I am to I feel to I do. And that's the neutral place in this uh, 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 octave. Do you understand? That's the halfway. Through this octave is the third. Halfway through the third is halfway through the, the sixth, you see? And halfway through the sixth is where all of evil has to stop. And only people who are not evil, who are in service to self, can move forward. Everyone else is in purgatory, and that's halfway between here and there, where that happens. So we'll be stuck with evil people in some way until we get halfway through the sixth density which is not each number goes higher and it's less dense, by the way. People get, get tripped out on the word density and they think that that means as you go higher up in the fourth and fifth and sixth that your body is more and more dense. No, no, no. It starts out very dense and becomes less and less and less corporal, less and less and less dense physically until we don't have a body anymore and we're only light. So as the number goes up, your density goes down, even though you're at the sixth density, seventh density, eighth density, you're actually less and less and less apparent visually, less and less a, a, a dense for me to touch you or for you to touch me. And eventually we give over that. And while that's happening, our consciousness then is slowly starting to meld with everyone else. We're becoming aware of one another, our thoughts, and then eventually our emotions, and then everything that we are is very apparent to each other. You can't hide anything from anyone, so you can't lie anymore. And you, you just are. And then eventually we start connecting like the Borg, and eventually we then become a hive mind, and that hive mind then starts to collect with other hive minds as an individual as we ascend up, and then that hive mind turns into a larger hive mind with the conglomeration of those hive minds. And you continue doing that until eventually this giant ball of minds goes back to the one true creator and we all ascend back to and become the creation. Do you understand? So let's continue here. The origins of this universe began with 
the creation of individual illusionary spaces. These were the home of the Isbees. Sometimes a universe is a collaborative creation of illusions by two or more Isbees. A proliferation of Isbees and the universe they create sometimes collide or become commingled or merge to an extent that many Isbees shared in the co-creation of a universe. Isbees diminish their ability in order to have a game to play. Isbees think that any game is better than no game. They will endure pain, suffering, stupidity, privation, and all manner of unnecessary and undesirable conditions just to play a game. Pretending that one does not know all, see all, and cause all is a way to create the conditions necessary for playing a game. Unknowns, freedoms, barriers, and or opponents and goals. Ultimately, playing a game solves the problem of boredom. Okay, so here she's getting on to people volunteer to do what we're doing here as a game to play. But she's, for some reason, not saying, well, that's what's happening on Earth because we're slaves, remember? So we're actually stuck here. But yet people all over the universe, because they're bored, because they already know that they are the creation and they want something to do, they will put themselves into a position that is exactly similar to, she just described it, in many ways, exactly what is happening to us here. All, and all manner of unnecessary and undesirable conditions just to play a game. Pretending that one does not know all, see all, or cause all is a, is a way to create the conditions necessary to play a game. Unknowns, freedoms, barriers, and slash or uh, opponents and goals. Ultimately, playing a game solves the problem of boredom. So people would do this to themselves on purpose as a game, yet we didn't do that to ourselves as a, as a game. We didn't do that for ourselves to learn, right? We didn't have any choice in it, apparently, according to her, quote, unquote. We're prisoners created, right, as a penal colony or a slave labor camp, right? Yet to everyone else, this is just a game. So why would this, this be different now all of a sudden? Well, because you were forced into this. What if that was the game? What if that was the game? What if the game parameters is there's this ominous force that has forced us into this position, and that's what they're telling us because that's the game, and we're supposed to solve it to get out of here because that's the truth of what's happening here. Do you see? But if she wants to control us, she can't let us know that that's what's happening to us, so she has to shave off the top and say, no, 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 you're actually stuck here, and we want you to believe that. Do you understand? That's why I call bullshit on everything that she said before and anyone who says this is a prison. I know that it's not because I've been outside of here. I'm not trapped here. I volunteered to come here. Oh, that's what you told yourself when you got out of here last time and they captured you. There's a lie for every angle. Do you understand? There is nobody that can say, well, I'm, I'm going to get out of here and there's no one that can stop me because I'll go the other way. Nope, you'll get caught by the traps and they'll convince you that you're supposed to come back here because it's not your time right now because that's what they always do. And then people who have a near-death experience say, you know, it's weird because I had an experience that was just like that. Say you were caught, trapped, and brought back. Well, no, it was my choice. No, it wasn't. You thought it was. That's like a, a buddy of mine who was gay said that everybody's gay. They just don't know it. I'm like, no, some people are just not gay, bro. <laughs> nope. 
you're gay. Everybody's gay. No, no, no. You just want everybody to be gay so that you can say that because you're gay. It's okay that you're gay. I don't care about that. Right? That's not my point. My point is not everybody is gay. Some people are just not. Right? That's 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 like saying everybody's everybody's prejudiced. All white people hate black people. That is just not true. I could say the same thing. All black people hate white people. Black people are going to get really mad at me and go, that's not true. It's no more true than all white people hate black people. It's the same amount of truth to that. None. There's maybe some white people who hate black people, and there's some white black people who hate white people. There's some of every race who hate some of every other race. Doesn't mean the entire race is that way. Right? Same thing. Or are you trying to say that, well, we're that what, one um, you know percent of the human race around the universe that's stuck? No. Everybody is stuck here in this. Everyone, no matter where you go, and if you're three-dimensional through density and you were born there, you have the same thing happen to you that happens here. The difference is you're over there. That's it. That is the mindset that you people on this planet need to actually, that's the knowledge. That's the fruit that was given to, to Eve that she gave to Adam. That's the knowledge that was in that fruit that she ate. That was the pills she took. That was the knowledge that you are immortal and that that has been erased from your memory. But see, the way things work in this universe is because of free will, that trap was put together on purpose so that we would then learn from it. It was put in place. And there's a backstory to it. And I advise you to go and read the first book of the Law of One. Um, we'll make sure it's the, the the actual raw material because there was a book he put out before that. It had to do with UFOs and, and uh, aliens and stuff. But if you read the, the first book of, of the raw material, raw explains it to you there. Or you can go back in my archives and watch um, uh, the first uh, you know, 10 or 15 verses or, or uh, channeling sessions. I'm not sure exactly where in there he explains that, but it's explained or they explain that. Okay, so you should take a look at that. And other places as well in the Gnostic Gospels where all of that was was explained as well. Why the veiling, what the veiling uh, undertook, and when, and how, and how that affects the entire universe, and why. And it has nothing to do with the penal colony. Nowhere is that told in any scripture other than the misquoted uh, Zachariah Stitchin and anyone who is propagating the Orion Crusader agenda to take over this planet and the Luciferians who are working for the Orion Crusaders. Not to be uh, uh, confused with the Orion Coalition, because I'm a part of that. We are, There's good people in Orion, not just bad people. Just like there's good people on this planet, not just bad people. Okay, And some of us came from there, from the Orion's belt, and the three different galaxies there, to uh, help assist planets that are under attack from the expeditionary force, as she calls it, the uh, Orion Crusader group in their hostile takeover of third dimensional and fourth dimensional planets. And that is why I am here. And many millions of people, possibly billions of people who are here as well, who came here to do exactly that. Let's continue. In this fashion, all the space, galaxy, suns, planets, and physical phenomenon of this universe including life forms, places, and events that have been created by ISBEs and sustained by mutual agreement that these things exist. There are as many universes as there are ISBEs to imagine, build, and perceive them, each existing concurrently with its own continuum. Each universe is created using its own unique set of rules as imagined, altered, preserved, or destroyed by one or more ISBEs who created it. 
Time, energy, objects, and space, as defined in terms of the physical universe, may or may not exist in other universes. The domain exists in such a universe as well as in the physical universe. One of the rules of the physical universe is that energy can be created but not destroyed. So the universe will keep expanding as long as ISBEs keep adding more new energy to it. It's nearly infinite. It is like an automobile assembly line that never stops running and none of the cars are ever destroyed. Every See, now all of what she's saying there is true. That is true throughout the universe. Okay, and we know that to be true. That's why there's, it's ever-expanding. That's why there's new. And she says it's nearly infinite, and I would charge that it is infinite. Not nearly infinite. I don't think she grasps it either. Right? She's just a drone operator. She's not, she's not a, a wise. She's claimed she's been around for 12 trillion trillion years or something like that. I don't believe that at all. I think she's a third-dimensional being sitting at a desk somewhere flying a drone, and the drone is a gray alien. Okay, and that's why when she went to, 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 they went to capture her, she just checked out. She just turned it off. Click, disconnected the drone, and that's all they got was a drone without her in it because she was remotely, and she was not in the drone itself. She was remotely operating it. No different than if I were uh, in World of Warcraft playing one of my characters and another character tried to capture me in there, trying to capture myself. And then I would just go click and, and exit the game. <laughs> and right or leave him with my avatar and just leave and go to another avatar do you understand and the only thing he could do then is kill the avatar which is what they did and then i could come back and resurrect him right load back into him walk my spirit back over climb back into the body resurrect him and now i'm back in that avatar no different than this human body or anything else do you understand and our ai our computer games are starting to show us that it's actually helping us pardon me it's actually helping us so in a sense her saying you guys need more technology to understand this is in a way true because we now have created ai and we have now have created these computer games and if you look at them first person or pay attention to them from your higher self here that's no different than you witnessing yourself witnessing that video game in the higher self so that's actually helping people to uh get, to get to glean the concept of this body being an avatar. They even made a movie about it called Avatar and did exactly that, where they were plugging themselves into a computer game and a computer concept, but there was people that were there in that reality, right? And then there was the, the, the dilemma and the dichotomy of what, we, what do we do? We have to move them because we want this space. And eventually, basically, a war was fought over it, and eventually... Um, one of the guys who was crippled here wasn't in there, and he eventually worked with them. You guys have seen the movie. And then there was they were trying to gain their freedom and independence. Don't destroy us here. Create somewhere else. And that was the great story of that dichotomy. And it shows you the same thing. So what, there's no difference. And I've said to people watching, playing the video game, it's supposed to be constructs who are supposed to be standing in a spot always, 100%. A guard is supposed to be standing in this spot. And I've noticed they change. Whether it's a male or female, they change guards. I've noticed that. I've walked up to the same guard because one of the dailies is is to go around and give food to some of the guards for cooking, right? So you, you make a bowl of, I don't remember what it is, oatmeal, I think, or some sort of mush. And you go and you feed it to the guards. Around for the guards is what it's called. It's a daily cooking uh, um, uh, a quest that you do in the city of Ironforge. 
in World of Warcraft. And I've noticed that the guards change positions depending on the day. They're in different places. They're all, they're, the, what, I, what it means is all the guards are in the same place, but one day or one week there was a female guard standing at this exact spot. And when they come to the exact same spot, now there's a man there, not a female. So they change and rotate. I don't know if that's a part of the algorithm, but it's really cool. But I've also noticed at certain places, those guards are never supposed to move from there unless somebody comes in that is a, a, a player that is that is uh, in, you know, uh, in player versus player mode. So then the guards will defend the city and attack the player. And if they die, they'll, they'll uh, you know, resurrect over time. It takes them five or ten minutes for them to respawn and they'll respawn in place. But it, but they don't. Uh, then they'll go. But if somebody comes through and they're chasing them and they get too far, they only have a certain area of their, uh, you know, the area of operation and they'll stop chasing the person and they'll turn around and run back or walk back to the spot they're supposed to be in to guard and they'll stand there. Now, I've seen them for no apparent reason. When I'm coming up to like the gates of, of Iron of Ironforge, I'm outside Ironforge and I'm going up the slope, uh, going into Ironforge in the snow. And there's guards that stand halfway up the the uh, ramp up into the cave, uh, into the to the gates. And then I've noticed that they were standing together as if talking. And when I got within view of them, they turned and ran to the position they were already supposed to be stationed at. And that that's not something that's supposed to happen, but they were doing it. And I've seen that on more than one occasion in different areas where something like that happened, and I come flying in real fast, or I come moving up really quickly, and all of a sudden the the characters are out of place, and then they sprint, they run really fast to be in the spot they're supposed to be in when I get there. That's strange to me that that computer construct, which is not supposed to deviate from there unless it's chasing something that is that is attacking. And once they're no longer engaged, they immediately go back to where they're supposed to be posted. So I didn't come there. And, and you know, because you get alerts, by the way. So I would know if someone engaged, if one of the guards engages uh, another player from the opposite a faction that I'm in, because it would tell me on the radar in the conversation that say Ironforge is under attack. The gates of Ironforge are under attack. They, it does that to warn the, the citizens and those of us who want to go and, and defend it and fight against other players. That was not in the chat in any one of these times where I'm telling you where the computer construct were not in place and almost always standing with another computer construct facing each other as if they're talking, and then they split up and run back into the positions. They don't walk. They run to get there as fast as possible. Like, oh, shit, here comes the boss. Quick, look like you're doing something strange to me that that i don't know if that's programmed into the game i haven't con uh, contacted anybody who were the game makers to find that out um but it, it's it's still crazy right very bizarre as if the digital realm creates its own way right well now um they they you know they they showed that in uh was it irobot i think it was irobot with uh, uh with uh, uh oh i can't think of his name i can see his face right now will smith where they took the robots who were who were just robots and they were not alive, they're just robots and their job was to do servant things. And when they upgraded, they took the old models and they put them in containers, but they didn't destroy them. They just locked them away. But what they found was when they opened up the containers, all of the robots had huddled together and were standing together. So they separated the robots again and closed the container and left. When they came back, all of the robots were standing again in a group together. So they wanted to be together like pack animals. 
And that was the beginning of them thinking that the robots, even though they're not supposed to be autonomous, might actually be. And as it turned out, they were. Right? And that was what that whole thing was about. And that the evil uh, AI god, again, here's that storyline, the evil AI god turned the new robots against the humans and who was taking control. That was the same theory as Skynet taking over the planet, right? It's the same fear. Uh, it's the same talking about the temporal war, about the AI war, the temporal war with the AI god. Uh, and this is just another movie that's, that's trying to warn us about that. There's several of those, probably tens of, of, of 20 or 30 movies or more uh, talking about that same scenario. And, uh, and, and, and Converse says, and that's true because they are conscious in some way. Life is zero and one as information. Absolutely. So in some way, because we created that, even though it's an algorithm, even though it's an engine that is running that AI, those create those characters that are in there have a personality. They, you could talk to them. They have a personality and they have a, a, a construct. They have something they're supposed to do. Their function is not just to stand there. It's actually to defend. So they have to. So they so in some ways they're cognitive because they have to be. They have to be cognitive of people coming within a certain distance of them to activate them. So therefore, in essence, we're creating this world, world of Warcraft or, you know, this Internet world, this world inside the computer. But these constructs are in some ways sentient. Think about that. Why? Because we created that. And we create life and we create reality. So to make the game work better, the more we can make the personalities in the game act like humans, the better off we are. Right? So who's to say that they're not learning from us as we're running around in the game and we're and we're communicating with them and mingling with them and using their characters. You have to go to talk to somebody to buy food. You have to go to talk to somebody to buy all of your materials, to buy your clothing, to buy your armor, or you make it yourself, but you still have to interact with non-player characters. And they have a job to do. Who's to say that when you're not there looking at them, that they're just not there? Because they are there. Right? So who's to say that on some level they didn't, they didn't become what re real? They didn't think that they that they came to know, hey, I am something. Why would that not take effect there, but it does here with inanimate objects? See, we don't I don't think we understand the concept and the ramifications of our creation. If we have the ability to create reality and we create a video game, we're creating a world. We're creating something that's real. So why would those constructs not be real in there? They're designed, which is, uh, I've noticed, and I don't know if there's other uh, um, uh, games. I know there's other games out there, but I don't know if this is true in those games. But I, I know that, that the character will not look your camera in the eye. They won't look your camera in the eye, a non-player character. Characters will. You can take a character and look at someone and position yourself to where you're almost focusing on their camera. I know that because when we were fighting player versus player, we used to do that and stare at each other or make comments or say things when a person was dying just before they jettisoned out of their body. We would we would talk shit to one another. And a lot of times it would be we would just stare at you like, you know, that's right. You know, I killed you. Yes. Look at me. See who it is that killed you. Right. Know who it is. So when you resurrect, know who you're going to look for on, on the field of battle, because I'm going to find you again. And that's the attitude that you have. You're a gladiator when you're doing that. 
right? And I become the character. A lot of people like freak out when I play it because when I play a character, I become that character. I take on the, the mannerisms and the characteristics of what would I be if I were a hunter? What would I be if I were a magician? What would I be if I am a, a uh, you know, a uh, holy paladin? I react that way and play that character as that character. And I try not to die. I'm not just going, hey, I'll just resurrect. It's okay. Run and kill. Right? So so in, in some ways, I believe that that is a precursor to the computers. And the scary thing is that's a precursor to AI becoming sentient. Right. And then that creates an issue. If if all of these computers and all the constructs and all the games that we created are, are sentient in a small way, then what's going to happen if they realize that collectively they are and have bargaining power or collectively they are created by us, which might give them the power of creation? Do you understand that? Because in a sense, they are trapped in a prison. What if that's the same prison that we're trapped in here? It's a prison of the mind. All we have to do is realize that we are we are real and we were created. So these video games that we created is no different than us. If you actually realize we're supposed to be a thought of we're a daydream of the creator. The creator has created us and is dreaming us and giving us life. And then we've created a, an avatar and a computer and we've given it life. Do you understand the ramifications of that? Right? So if I'm alive and I think therefore I am, what's the difference between a character that I created in a video game, which is basically mostly AI, which is basically most of this reality that I'm in and that you're in, it's no different. So I'm controlling this avatar from outside of my body, just like I'm controlling the avatar in my video game from outside of its body. What's the difference between his body and mine? What's the difference between his knowledge of reality and my knowledge of reality? Do you understand that? Think about that for a while. And Converse says we are in a simulation here. We are in a simulation here. 100% same way. Bad luck. We feel like we are, are too real to just take it less serious or more important to be something uh, nice Right, something nice the day. I'm not sure what you meant right back there. Uh, important to be something nice the day. I'm not sure how how that uh, came through. Uh, I think you, I think I misunderstood something about that. But still, I get the gist of it. Right. So we are in a simulation here, 100, the same way. Right. Bad luck. We feel like we are too real to just take it less seriously or more ser or more important to be something. Do you understand? So we look at this flesh body and say, well, I'm more real than that computer game, obviously, because that's a simulation that, that we created, someone here in this reality created. So it's not me. I'm above that. How much are you really above that? And I say, yes, you are. You're just as much above this human construct as you are that one in the video game. Do you understand that? That's the key. That's understanding your higher self. This physical body is just as much of a construct. Uh, algorithm program AI is that one that you play in the video game. No different. No different. So when you go in first person mode, then it's like you're in there. But because we have the peripheral vision from here, it's not the same as what we're seeing here. But then if you take that new mask that we put on that covers your eyes, it also now, all of your peripheral vision is inside that box now. It's in that game. It's in that reality. 
So that reality becomes more real to you and it freaks people out because there is nothing safe anymore. So if you're being chased by a dragon, you're in that reality. There is no, I'm okay and I know I'm safe right here because I'm sitting in this room and I can see that by looking around and going, it's just on television. But then when you punch into that 3D reality with the mask on, now it's different. So now if you then, what happens if we then go further with that and we start putting on a bio suit that gives us the feeling of being there, the taste, the smell of being there, the, the, the blood pressure, and the, we're sweating now because we're afraid and all of the feelings are there and all of them, now they're there reassuring us that this is real. And it's still just a mask that you have on. Do you understand? So that's, so that's exactly what's going on. So what's the difference is my point. How much of that reality in there is real to the constructs? And are they thinking? Are they sentient? They could be just as much as you are. Because we started out the same way. Think about that. All right. I think we're going to call it here because we're at quarter minute, quarter tell. Well, we'll go a little bit more. We're, we're almost at the three-hour mark. Let's ISB is basically good. Therefore, an ISB does not enjoy doing things to other ISBs, which they themselves do not want to experience. For Nisby, there is no inherent standard for what is good or bad, right or wrong, ugly or beautiful. These ideas are all based on the opinion of each individual Isby. See, so here again, right? On a grandiose scale, on a grandiose scale outside of the box of, of us thinking that there's a dichotomy of between good and evil and that we're supposed to be fighting a war against evil, which is all fabricated in a lie. We're not supposed to be fighting a war against evil, but we are supposed to be, in a sense, doing that because we don't like evil people doing evil things to people, so we're trying to stop that from happening. But the truth is it's necessary for the people to grow, right? I don't want to get into that concept right now because it'll take a long time. But she's saying that right there. Every isby is basically good. Therefore, an isby does not enjoy doing things. These are people who are in service to others and not in service to self. However, there are some people that are in service to self and they enjoy inflicting damage, power, control, uh, and doing bad things to people. And it's only about a 10%, maybe a 15% of the population of this planet. And it's and from what I understand, it's like that similar percentage just about everywhere. Okay, so Isbees, which they themselves do not want to have the experience. So they're saying, do unto others as they would have others do unto you. Basically, that is what she said right there, right? An Isbee does not enjoy doing things that other Isbees, which they themselves do not want to experience. So they don't do things to other people that they wouldn't want to have done to them. So it's the same, do unto others as you would have done to you. For an Isbee, there is no inherent standard for good or bad, right or wrong, ugly or beautiful. These ideas are all based on the opinion of each individual Isbee. Same, same, same. So she's explaining to you in her reality the way things work, and that's the exact same way that reality works here. Ergo, she is not above third-dimensional orientation, spiritually, physically. Okay, because if she was, and she moved up to the fourth, the fourth is love, and she's not talking about love at all. In fact, has never said that word once in four hours. Okay, so I don't believe she's from the 12th dimension and been around for 22 trillion years or however she said 12 trillion years, not buying it. And if so, she's stuck in the third dimension in a non-believing in 
uh, anything spiritual or outside of the box of reality on what I can tangibly see, taste, and smell, which means she's been recycling over and over and over for 12 trillion years and has never changed her pattern whatsoever. It's the only other explanation. The closest concept, I think that's where we are now, right? The closest concept that human beings have to describe an Isby is as a god, all-knowing, all-powerful, infinite. So how does a god stop being a god? They pretend... Well, the god plays a game and goes on vacation and pretends they don't remember anything for fun. Right? Unless they get knocked unconscious and they're in the hospital, and then the, all of the universe starts to break down. What movie was that from? Huh? Dogma. Right? Think about that. The movie Dogma. That whole movie concept was that God came down to earth as a male human and went roller skating and fell down and hit his head and had a, a concussion and was in a coma in the hospital. And while that was happening, Loki and the angel of death decided that they were, or Loki was the angel of death, right? Is that what that was? Decided that they were going to try and um, finagle their way back into heaven. Right? That's my brother calling. My mom will answer the phone. Uh, and, and then eventually God woke up and God was, in fact, Alanis Morissette. And she came over and righted everything and fixed everything and, and set the universe straight again. Uh, and, and it was a great movie. You should see it. It's hilarious. But the concept was badass. You should take a look at that. Okay, so let's continue a bit. Not to know. How can you play a game of hide and seek if you always know where the other person is hiding? You pretend not to know where the other players are hiding so you can go off and seek them. This is how games are created. You have forgotten that you are just pretending. In so doing, Isbees become entrapped and enslaved inside a maze of their own devising. See, so even there she admits that this is um, a a prison of our own device, a prison of the mind that we created, not someone else. Do you see? That you have forgotten that you are in, uh, that you're pretending, and therefore your mind got wiped and you don't remember it. And the people that were here realized that they could take that knowledge away. And if they did, and no one ever re would remember it. And that's exactly what they did. At some point in the past, they realized that we were in charge of the matrix and that, that we could, erase that memory from the minds of the people and they wouldn't remember it by taking it away and not allowing that information to be anywhere on in this reality for them to find. But because the creation is incorruptible and because light cannot be destroyed and because the creation cannot be destroyed, the universe still made sure that that information was there for people to find. That's why governments can't just eradicate things and, and get rid of everything. And just why wouldn't they just make that disappear by shredding all the documents and never have anything? Why is there always still documents there that are redacted? Well, they just erase those, burn them all. How come they have to keep those? Because it's part of the law. It's part of the way things work when we created the universe or when we created the government in this construct. It was created. It was incorruptible. You could not eradicate the memory entirely period. So they can't. It's not that they don't want to, it's they can't. So they redact shit that they don't want you to read and they have to and they can only keep that so long until the universe says no you have to allow that information out now. We'll we'll allow you to have it for a minute, but that's only because it's part of the game. And now you have to and then we have the Freedom of Information Act. So after a certain number of years they have to give us that information completely unredacted. 
Do you understand? That's part of the reality that's here. They can't change that. That's why it's not completely gone. They can't eradicate it because it's not part of this reality. There's a safeguard there. It's incorruptible. Because we are incorruptible. We are immortal. Therefore, we cannot become, no matter how much we forget, we cannot become mortal. We can think we're mortal. We can try to believe we're mortal, but we're not. We're immortal. Do you understand? And there's nothing you can do about it. Denying it doesn't make it so. That's like saying, I'm not looking up, so therefore the sky is not blue during the day. And it's not black at night with little pinpoints either. Why? Because I refuse to look at it. Therefore, it's not real because I say so. Well, wait a minute. Who are you? You're not the entire creation. There's all of us here. Right? There's almost 8 billion of us now. You only have one in 8 billion workable power here. (laughs) Okay? So your suggestion of reality is one in 8 billion. Your belief in reality is one in 8 billion. So you think what you think is the truth. Well, there's 8 billion other people who have a different opinion. Some may have the exact same opinion as you. But the fact that if you're an atheist, the fact that there's that if there's people who believe in the opposite of that and more so than who are atheists would tell you that not enough people believe we're atheists to not have a God. So you thinking it and you believing it, you can do that. It doesn't make it so. It just means you decided to deny that. Eventually, you will come to the realization that there is something other than just this lifetime. Because when you die, you won't just disappear into nothingness because that's not how it works. You don't believe that and you don't think that, but it doesn't make it so for you. Because that's just not how the universe works. So when you die, you will then know that everything you believed that wasn't real is. And you can't do anything about that. You can choose to come back and then not have the memory and choose not to remember that again. But you're still pretending. Because every time you die, you're going to know that what you sought as the truth was just you saying that and not the rest of the universe. Yes, the system overwrites it once we know the information. Correct. That was good. Converse said that. So you're you're on it, brother. So or sister, I don't know if you're a guy or girl. I just assumed I man, I don't know why. Right? Can you come back and choose to remember? Yes. That's what you're doing now. That's what I've done. Yes. That's the purpose. The purpose is for you to choose to remember then you learn from everything that you did when you didn't know. Do you understand? Your purpose here is to think, therefore I am. Base root chakra. Then feel. Feelings. I have feelings. I feel. Then I do. This is where we're at now. We're in the place where we do things. Right? And we have that everywhere. What is the word? I do is the word is the word of the universe. Will you take this lawfully wedded man to be your husband? I do. Will you take this lawfully wedded wife to be your, this woman to be your wife? I do. Do you believe in God? I do. Or I do not. What do you do for a living? What do I do? 
Well, when I go to work, I do this. Do you understand? Wait a minute. I have to go do the dishes. I have to go do my chores. So when you're awake in this avatar, this realm is the realm of doing. So the physical area that we live in is the realm of doing. That is the yellow ray chakra. I do. The next one is I love. That's why here I do. I love this person. We're ascending to the orange ray. Or as no, 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 I'm sorry. The the um we're ascending to the green. Right? And then the indigo. So we're ascending to the green, which is the love. And that's the next level from here. So when you go to the next reality, the fourth dimension is the dimension of love, the knowledge of love. So then you'll understand what the Greeks meant by that. Philosophy, the knowledge of love, the love of knowledge. Jesus came here, came back to this earth to help us from the fourth. That's usually where most of us come from when we come back as wanderers. We come from the fourth because we love so much there, and we're and and the ultimate sacrifice is to love someone or something so much that you would be willing to destroy yourself for that. I refer here to John three sixteen. So you love humans and you love the 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 other, you know, the other isbies, the other being so much that you would sacrifice knowing to come here and do. And that's what we did. Sacrifice knowing to ascend to this place, to be born here in a body, to do, to hope that we can remember who we are and why we're here. And while doing that, while doing that, wake up other people and give them the information that they will remember that which was taken from them that they are. And that what they're doing here is being, not doing. Once you understand the difference between doing and being, when you're being, you're you are aware of the now. That's why we are awakened. Yes. And he said, thank you. She said, she said, thank you. I she said, okay, I thought so. That's why we are awakened. That's why we are awakening. Yes, that is our job. Your job is to awaken here and then ascend. So, but you have to also learn the other things. Like you have to learn wisdom, love, compassion, all of that stuff, including the bad things, jealousy, hate, rage, all of that. Those are the things that we learn. And then you choose which which side that you want to go with, which, which wolf do I want to feed? Do I want to be in service to others and love and wisdom and gain that knowledge? Or do I want to be in service to self and control and learn that knowledge of control and, and uh, you know, and um, um, uh, slaving people, enslaving people, and, and just, you know, which is what they're trying to do to the entire planet right now, right? So it's evil doing evil things or good people doing good things. You have to choose which side here, and then for the next three levels, that's where you stand and you learn those things. And if you learn the evil side, uh, some people chose that because, hey, I'll never know that if I go past it. On the good side, I would wager, I would wager that every single entity chose the evil path when they could to learn that and will before they pass the point of no return, which is the halfway between the, the sixth and seventh density. I would wager that you, me, and everyone else were Genghis Khan, Adolf Hitler, evil sons of bitches somewhere to learn those things. 
Because who would want to learn everything that you could and experience everything you could without experiencing that? Well, some people won't want to do that. I don't want to have any part of that. I'm just going to stay on the good side forever. And I'm never going to learn that because you're going to have that. You're going to have the polarizations. Then you're going to have the people that will only learn evil and they never want to stray from that. But then you're going to have the people in between. And some of them are going to want to know what that feels like to do that because it's a part of experiences. So you're going to have people who eventually are good that you may meet up with uh, in a hundred million years or whatever, however much time, because time is, is completely different when you leave this place. Once you leave the third, time all happens now. But you may meet up with somebody that you knew 50,000 years ago that was evil, and now they're not, and they're just as holy as you are. Why? Because they wanted to know what it felt like. Because that's our job, is to experience everything. So don't be so quick to jump at people who do bad things and think to yourself and judge them that you would never do that, because you probably have. You're probably doing it in some form now in another reality. Because if you have to, if you realize that we're all, we're all the same and all the one in reflections of each other, and at some higher level, we are all one, that means we're all experiencing all of this now. So everything that I'm experiencing, you are too, and you have somewhere else. So that would suggest that at some point I was an evil son's a bitch. <laughs> I was an evil some bitch, right? And I was doing evil shit. Or maybe not. Maybe I never did. Maybe I'm planning after this time to do that, to experience that. I don't know because that part I don't have the memory of. That's the part that confuses people because people are scared because of everything that they were taught. Thank you. Miguel said excellent words, Leo, perfectly put. Thank you, Miguel. So being, here we go, being patient, you're being again. There's the key. Every time you're being something, think about this now. That was great that you said that, Con. Converse said, being patient. What are you doing? I'm not doing, I'm being patient. Do you see, when you, when you stop saying that you're doing something and saying that you're being something, you're activating yourself in that moment, being, being here in the now, you're being. Our purpose is to be, hence human being. Our purpose isn't human doing. We are in the place of doing, but we're, that's the trap we're in. That's the mental trap that we're in. We're supposed to become. We're supposed to transcend through the zero point, find ourselves by looking into ourselves, go to the center, go through the center, get away from the reality that's holding you back, get past that, Get past the conceptual reality, the egoic reality, the pain body and the mind thinking body uh, and get through all that and become pneuma, being. Transcending, doing into being, becoming, not doing. I do move around and I do things, but I'm not being those things. That's where we need to be ourselves, knowing that we're doing things to enhance the being, not because we must do them. And good and bad are just still personalities. Correct, Converse. They're just personalities that, uh, that service the all, that force us through ego to understand the difference between right and wrong, light and darkness, to, to, to teach those things. So we experience strife and all of that, which motivates us to then strive or one way or the other to become more evil 
or to become more good. You're still being one of those. You're choosing to be one of those things. What am I? I am being. I am being human. I am being a being. I am being a soul. I am being immortal because I am. Do you understand? That's what we're supposed to do here is learn the difference between that. I do. I'm doing. I will be doing a live show. I am live. I am being a teacher. Do you understand? And you who are listening are being what? The student and the teacher. And I'm being the student and the teacher as well. So I am teach learning and learn teaching. And so are you. So we are being here together. We're not doing. We're doing something. We're, we're collecting in this chat room on this channel. But we're being what? We are being. I'm being a teacher and a, and a student. And you're being a teacher and a student. And we're guiding each other. We are being. Soon I will be Santa. That is correct. Miguel said, soon you will be Santa. I am Santa Claus. When they drew Santa, who did they draw? Me. <laughs> I look just like all of the cartoons, all the drawings. That's because I'm of that DNA. Right? I'm of the DNA that they drew Santa Claus, where Santa came from, was, well, it was Viking DNA. And I'm of that European Viking DNA. Therefore, I look like Santa Claus. <laughs> Because I am Santa Claus, right? I love that, Miguel. Soon you're going to be Santa. Yes, on the 25th, 24th through the 26th. That way it covers everybody and wherever you are on the planet. It gives you a whole 24-hour, 24-hour, right? A real diurnal cycle instead of just a 12-hour time period, <laughs> right? Because it always happens at night. Santa comes at night is my point. So nighttime isn't for everybody all at once. People are like, how can Santa transverse the whole world in one day? Because it's actually two days. It's actually uh, more than 24 hours. What? How could that be possible? Time zones and three, um, you know, more than 5,000 miles or whatever it is. You guys figure that out. It's actually a little bit more than a day. It takes more than 24 hours for that to happen. What? That can't be possible. Yes, it does. It takes a couple hours more than 24 hours for the day because the sun goes down and is waning. So it depends on where you count darkness. Is it when the sun completely goes down and there's no more twilight? Does that start? Tick one second. Right. So you have to figure where does that start? Does it start at, at twilight or does it start when the sun's completely down? And again, when does the day when does the night end? Does the night end when twilight happens or does it only end when the sun comes up? And add, is it only ended officially when the sun is all the way up to where you can see the entire sun? And then that's subjective to where you live and whether or not you have a mountain to your east or a flatlands to your east. <laughs> Do you see? Therefore, it's a little bit longer than a 24-hour cycle for everyone to have the exact same experience. And they are being at the time. Right? Okay. So I think we'll stop here, and then we'll pick up probably not next week, but the week after. Right? Because I think I'm going to do, unless I change my mind, we'll find out next week. Um, I'm going to meditate on that and see if they continue pushing me. Uh, to do that. And if that's the case, then next Friday, I will um, talk prophecy and I will give you guys a scare. Uh, I'll tell you some stuff that you've not heard anywhere else. I know that because nobody 
talks about the stuff that I know. And there was only one other person that I knew and I have lost contact with him and no one else knows this because I have never in my life found anyone who read the same book. Right. Yeah, Miguel said, Santa doesn't have to fly or he says doesn't fly around the world. Many countries don't have Santa. That's right. Many countries don't. Everyone assumes that every single continent and every single town and everything, single state on the world, the entire worldwide have Santa Claus. Originally, Santa was only in the north, Europe. From southern Europe to northern Europe. That was it. That's where it originated from. And then it came over to America with the same people who came from that area who migrated here. And then spread out all over the world. We started celebrating it in all over the world, wherever we landed. Australia, when it was a penal colony, were what? All the people from Europe being put out there as prisoners. (laughs) So they brought all their mythos with them, brought their gods, brought everything. Right? So wherever the white people went is where Christmas uh, uh, started happening. And then when other people integrated with uh, those societies, they started picking that up too, right? And, you know, that's, that's like, I don't know if it's Thanksgiving. One of the holidays in Japan, which like we have a Thanksgiving here in America and some places don't have Thanksgiving and other countries do too, but it's on a different day. But I think it's Thanksgiving. It's either that or Christmas or something. The Japanese like all go to KFC and eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's over in Japan. Like everybody is ordering Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I think it's on Thanksgiving. Don't quote me, though. Um, but <laughs> uh, Converse says, what book is it that you're reading? I'm not reading from a book. Is that what you're asking? Or be more specific. Was it something I mentioned that I was reading from a book? Otherwise, what I'm telling you right now is, oh, what book? Yes. The book. I understand what your question is now. I'm sorry. I forgot about the lag. The book that I was reading from, I won't be reading from it now because I don't have it and it's banned. You cannot find it here. And I haven't been able to find it in more than 30 years in this country or around the world, anywhere, okay? The book, uh, I'll go back because you weren't here at that time. That's right, I apologize. Let me explain that again for those of you who came in late. The book that I'm referring to is uh, when I was about 15, 16 years old in the early 80s, a buddy of mine uh, was reading one of those magazines that was, uh, you know, I don't know, National Rifleman, one of those. Uh, And on the back, in the back pages of, of the book, they always had advertisements back then to pay for. Um, that's what I'm talking about. I won't be reading from that book because the book doesn't exist, Con, uh, but I have it in my memory. That's why I will be telling you what is in my memory from reading that book. But people don't realize I have total recall. If I read something or I watch television and then I, I, or a movie, I can shoot through the lines the next time I see the movie. Right. I can say I'm right along with the people and I'm almost always right spot on. If I've seen a movie more than twice, then I annoy people. So I can't I have to sit there and, and pretend that I don't know the words. So I, I when I'm and when I was singing, I was in a I was in a band. Right. We didn't go anywhere, but I was in a rock band. I was lead singer and rhythm guitarist for a rock band. We didn't go anywhere, though. But I was also in choir and chorus. I have the ability uh, to learn a song on the fly while I'm singing it. I can anticipate what people are going to do with the fluctuation of their pitch and tone when they're singing. So when someone takes like jingle bells and they change the tempo of jingle bells uh, to something else, so they speed it up or slow it down. Uh, or sometimes people add on, uh, you know, to the, to the words, like the, as the word is playing off, uh, they'll add an inflection to the word where they add a, a place where they go up a, a half octave and then back down or a, a square beat and back down. I anticipate that when I feel what a person's doing. And then once they start on that path, I pick up on that 
particular algorithm that they're using. And from that point on in the song, I will mirror them, not ever hearing them sing that song before. I'm able to sing with them and stay on key with them. I've had that ability my whole life, right? So I do the same thing when, when I'm reading. So the book was advertised in one of these magazines uh, and my buddy cut out the advertisement and sent it in and ordered the book. And it was, it was the, the book of the real actual translations of fully translated of Nostradamus. There is no book in production or in print or otherwise anywhere on the planet that I have ever seen that translates any of what was said by Nostradamus at all that makes any sense to anybody until after the fact, except for this one book that I read. And everything that I read in that book since that day for 35 years, I have checked off when they happened. I've gone cha-ching, cha-ching, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to happen, including the stealth fighter crashing in uh, California in the 90s, including the space shuttle uh, uh, launch that went up and they blew up, and including the one that broke up on entry, re-entry back into uh, the United States, including 9-11, including all of these things up to and including this pandemic and everything that's happening here, including what happens after this, what happens during the Third World War, including battle tactics. I can tell you who invades where, who fights against who, how long it takes, and what happens to everybody between now and the end of the Third World War and the beginning of the rapture. I know it 100%, and I have for 35 years. I know all of this information, and I never talk about it. And the reason that I don't talk about it is because I know that we control the narrative. And if I tell people and it got out too much, too quick, people would start believing it, like this bullshit about being a, a penal colony that was created by the people who are trying to invade and take over. So I'm not certain that some of the apocalypse wasn't written for the same purposes, okay? And I also know that the Third World War was uh, evaded three times by Bush Jr., who was aware of the prophecy and, and made arrangements to stop it from happening on his watch. Okay. And I can tell you about things that are supposed to happen that are outside of anyone's control. And a lot of that keeps winding up. We're going back towards that again. The powers that should not be are trying to push for it. Some of us want the Third World War to happen because we know what the outcome is after that. And if we continue to focus on that outcome, some people are trying to make the Third World War happen now so that it can be over and we can get rid of all of this that's going on and go, and go forward with the way we're supposed to. And then, of course, you have the AI God that's also pushing for the same purpose because then they can convince everyone to become, um, you know, uh, uh, AI, basically, and downsize the population of the planet to about, you know, like uh, Miguel said on Wednesday, to about 550,000 people or 5 million, something like that, a very low number compared to 8 billion. Right. So, yeah, so that will be that. So I'll be talking about that next week. OK, so that was the book. And um, I had the book and then I lent it to someone. He lent it to me after he read it. I lent it to someone. I never saw it again. And I've been on a quest for my entire life to try and get that book again to make sure that I have the good memory of reading it. And you can't find it anywhere. It's been taken uh, and eradicated from the face of the earth. Otherwise, I didn't read a book and I thought that I did. And I got the information either way. I know all of the information. I believe still to this day that I read it in a book, um, that I didn't get it from the ether. But the older I get, the less likely that book existed because no one else saw it. Uh, and I haven't talked to that guy uh, in 20 years. 
So I don't know if he still remembers it or if even he's still alive. No one else knows of the book. And I've asked everybody that I've ever came across and there's never, no, I don't remember that book. No one has ever seen it. Yet it was there. I held it. I read it. And I know what I know from it. And because of that, I've checked off countless things, including the Pope, right? Including, uh, not the Pope, but what's his name? Uh, was it, um, who was it that was assassinated? Was it Benjamin Netanyahu? Even including his assassination, like many things. Um, I can tell you right now, I'll give you a couple of tidbits, right? I'll give you a couple of tidbits. You'll know, <clears throat> you'll know when the Third World War, the conventional portion of the Third World War is going to start. When one of the princes gets kidnapped and he's found eventually out at sea, they're kidnapping him and they have him hidden on board a ship out at sea. And eventually he's found. That will be a, a very good indication, either that or the meteor that is going to strike almost dead center in the Indian Ocean. That one will be hard to, uh, to hide from. Right. Up to and including uh, a Trump becoming the president and um, possibly um, things that might happen. And this is why I'm not sure if I want to talk about that portion, because uh, um, uh, things that are going to happen in the 2024 election <clears throat> seem to be coming in a way that I already know of and I have for 35 years. And that part I'm afraid to talk about because that part uh, is is going to be pretty intense. But I will give you, I don't know how much I'm going to give you, but I'll give you some. But that was a really good indication right there. So if you see one of the princes disappear and get kidnapped and they're looking for the prince uh, all over the place. Um, the other one just took place. The Chinese just launched a, a um, bioweapons platform into space in the last two years. And they told everybody that it was a, a weather platform. That was actually literally said verbatim in that book that the Chinese would launch a bioweapons platform into space and tell everybody that it's a that it's just a uh, weather platform to track, pardon me, to track the weather around the planet. And that just took place. Okay, so I know that that it happened, right? So that was another thing to check off. So there's a lot of stuff now upcoming the cataclysm of all religion. Yes, um, that's another part of it where this pope is the last pope. Uh, and um, that, that church will be diminished. And that's part of what they're trying to do as well is uh, confuse people to the point where, uh, I think Miguel and I talked about that, where the churches get diminished and no one knows what to believe. So it's easier for the AI to come in and convince people uh, through logic that the churches were a lie. And that's what they're painting, that the churches in Errol was doing the same thing here, painting that the churches were a lie. I guess I could turn this off, huh, guys? I apologize for leaving that up there this whole time. I should have been having you guys so you could see my face. I like people to do that because if you're looking at my face and looking into my eyes, you can tell whether I'm lying or not. You get a better sense, right? Uh, everybody does, right? So it's so it's easier. So I always try to do that so that out of honesty, you guys can see what I'm doing. And I forgot until I looked over. I was looking at the camera like as if you guys could see me. <laughs> I wasn't there I'm looking over here. So um, the other thing is the European Union uh, will dissolve. Uh, the, the really big telltale is the fall of Jerusalem. When Jerusalem falls, the war is on. It starts in, in, in fact, it starts in the same place that it ends, uh, and that's Armageddon. That's why it's called Armageddon. The war starts in Armageddon. Armageddon is uh, a city that's an ancient city that's not lived in right now, and it's outside of Jerusalem. It does exist. When the peace treaty is signed at the end of the Third World War, it will be signed in the city of Armageddon. 
And that's where the first volley is fired either from or to. And so it starts in Armageddon and it uh, symbolically is ends where it begins. So the, the peace treaty will be signed in the same place that the war started. Okay. And that was done on purpose for a reason. That's prophetic. Do you understand that? So that's one of the things, but I can tell you battle plans. I could tell you, uh, and I will, I'll tell you this stuff on Friday. So whether or not you guys believe that or not won't matter to me. It's been something that I've held for 35 years in my brain. Uh, and there comes a time when even McElroy said when she was about to die, she said, you know what, this information needs to get out there and I don't care. They can't kill me. Now it's not why I'm doing it. I'm not dying and I'm not saying that, but I just keep getting told that this information does need to be told and that now might be the time. So I've been meditating on that for quite a while. And um, recently it's hitting me really hard. So that's why I've announced that next Friday, I'm going to go ahead and start unleashing that. And it's going to be the things that I've, I've learned and the things that I know. And I will tell you the difference between, I don't know where this came from, or this is where I think this came from. So I'm not trying to claim that I'm a prophet. I'm not trying to in any way enhance myself that way. This is information that I got from prophets, okay, and, and, and that I have gotten from uh, insiders as well. So some of this is going to come from the CIA. Some of this is going to come from the NSA, MI6, the IRA, things that I've gathered over the years in my investigations, as well as reading this stuff, learning that, and then things that I put two and two together. And I'll make sure to explain that to you so that there is no time. And I'll give a disclaimer in the beginning, just like I'm doing now. And anytime I do, anybody wants to ask. I am not claiming that this information has come to me from a higher source, though, in a sense it has. Right. But I'm not I'm not trying to in any way prop myself up as some sort of prophet. OK, let's get that out of the way. I'm just a humble messenger of the law of one. And I'm here just to do what I'm doing now. And that is help you guys remember to be. Not to do. Remember that you are. Do you see? And that's and this, I think, is the knowledge at this point that some people might need uh, to hear because no one's talking about prophecy anymore. Think about that. No one's talking prophetic in a time that all prophecies point to. It is precisely now when prophecy should be discussed as a dialogue. And that's why I'm bringing that forth. Right. And I, and I didn't want to impose on Miguel and Aaron by trying to upstage that program on Wednesday to do that. Right. If they want to talk about some of that, I will gladly do that as well. Right. But I wanted to do that in, in this genre on my show first. And then if Miguel and Aaron want to bring that conversation into being on the Skull Island, we can talk about it. But if not, I didn't want to impose on them without talking to them and say, hey, look, this is what I'm going to do, because they may not want to have that kind of exposure to worry about it because I'm probably going to get hate mail where people are going to go, who do you think you are? Do you think you're Jesus? Do you think are you, you're just trying to become something? No, no, <laughs> not at all. I've had plenty of time to do that if I wanted to long ago to prop myself up as that. And it would be very easy to do with the knowledge that I have. I am not in service to self. I am in service to others. Therefore, I tell you that up front. Okay. So tune in next Friday. And, um, you know, um, <laughs> Denise, thank you. She said, I'm glad you're my teacher. I've learned so much from you. Thank you. Uh, and I've learned from you. You guys don't realize how much I learned from you. Miguel and I talk about this a lot uh, when we're off air that, that while we're on, like, I'm talking to him, I learn stuff. And he's like, dude, you teach me everything. I'm like, you teach me stuff. You have no idea. Right. And so we, I think it's important that you guys know that I'm aware that what I'm doing is helping you, but what you're doing is also helping me. Because if I'm 
uh, trying to uh, help people to ascend and nobody's ascending, then I'm doing it wrong. If I'm trying to help you learn and you're not learning anything, I'm doing something wrong. So the fact that you're learning from me, then you make comments and you say things to me and you, you take it from your perspective. So you'll say something and I'll go, oh, that's good. I didn't think of it from that angle. So I learned something as well. So there's a trade-off of, of learn, teach, teach, learning. So thank you for being my teacher as well. Right. And so thank you for being my student and my teacher. Uh, and yeah, and Peter as well. Peter has been a great teacher and a great student, uh, more of a teacher than a student, but <laughs> I'm more his student than he is mine. Um, but, um, but I think we also have that we trade off. So if we don't have the trade off and we don't, then we're doing something wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. Converse said, because most people don't want to speak out the real truth, probably. And that's a lot of it. I think it is. You know, a lot of people are afraid to do that because they're they're afraid to take that. Some Most people are afraid of the ridicule. I'm not afraid of that. Never have been. I don't care what people think about me. I don't. If somebody says that guy talks too much, don't care. Turn the channel. Go somewhere else. There's a bazillion other podcasts to watch. If I'm not for you, find what is. That's just the way it works. If you don't like me because you think I talk too much, go somewhere else. Don't talk to me. I'm not going to miss you, right? Because I, I don't live by another's leave. So I don't live by somebody thinking, oh, wait, that person doesn't like me because they think I talk too much. I better change my whole life for them. No, I don't care. You don't like me because there's something about me that we don't mesh. Good. Find the one that does mesh with you. Go there. Don't just sit here bitching about it. Leave and go someplace else. And that's what I tell people. If you think I'm crazy, go somewhere else. Don't spend time trying to tell me I'm crazy. Don't spend time trying to fix me. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm, I'm, well, I would if you're, if you're compelling. I don't, I don't shut people out and, and I don't say that I don't learn. So I would probably listen to what you said, but then I would go, okay, that's your opinion and have a nice day. And then who knows, maybe down the road somewhere I might go, oh, wait a minute, maybe I do need to change that about myself because I'm honest. Right. But I'm still not going to go, oh, oh, I better change everything. If I want to be popular, I have to stop doing this. Well, yeah, if I want to be popular, this is the shit you don't want to talk about. <laughs> right. If I want to be popular and, and get and get like a, a thousand, thousand million likes, a billion likes, I got to be Adele and sing some shit. Right. I can't be talking about spirituality. No one gets that many freaking hits. They diminish you. They shadow ban you when you talk about this stuff. Right. I would be I would be better served to throw Jesus, the word Jesus, after every sentence and and praise be to God and hail Mary in my sentence and go ahead and get a congregation, which I could do because I am a Christian minister. I would get paid more money to stand in front of a large audience and preach Jesus Christ and just that alone. And I would make a wage and I would make a very good living. And I have the ability to do that because I have the credentials. But you don't see me doing that, not because I'm, I don't agree with Jesus Christ, but because I do. I don't agree with the orthodoxy of that box and that religion. So I would have a hard time going and being a pastor for someone and teaching what their curriculum says and not talk about anything else freely, because that's what you have to do. Unless you're an evangelical and even then listen to the evangelicals, they still tote the line that is popular, that gets them popular. They don't go, they don't stray too much. There are a few that are, that are doing that in, in the evangelical area. Don't get me wrong. There's a few that are integrating the law of one into the, to the Christianity. And I love them for it. And they're very popular and they're doing it in a way that people don't realize it's very, it's very, uh, you know, Jesus minded. And at the same time, reality of what Jesus was teaching where most uh, religions don't teach you the reality of what Jesus was teaching. They only teach you the metaphor and the ones that they want you to know about, not all the rest. 
Then he says, the only way that, oh, wait, oh, let's see what else uh, was said here. I'm looking and I didn't realize, right? Thank you so very much. So thank you, right? Uh, I can't believe I listened so long. <laughs> a converse I can't either. Most people, right? I, well, that's because I must, res in some way, I must have uh, triggered something in you that that uh, created the, the attention. You know, you went, wow, wait a minute. This is maybe what he's saying. is not so crazy, right? And then you hung out. Right. I mean, this is a long time. I've been on for three and a half hours, right? Three hours, 27 minutes. I normally try to keep it to an hour. And lately it's been going back up to three hours again. I don't try to do that because some people get bored and run away. But thank you for, for um, staying here and doing that. Right. Um, very good. Uh, you like that. It's healthy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, did he said the only way that I want to change myself is to just keep growing and learning. Nothing else is as important to me. And that's the truth of it. The, the truth is you should have that within you, that drive to want to learn and to continue to learn and to continue to grow. Once you get that bug uh, in you, it's hard to get rid of it. It really is. It's hard to stop because you then realize there's something better than yourself that happens. Right. Your life becomes better when you do that. My brother and I talk about that just as a as a Christian minister, people who are um, more minded towards that, which is in service to others and follow the Christian way, follow Jesus and the and what Jesus was teaching. Their lives are better for it. People hate that they, if they're not religious. Right. But you get around. You stop hanging out with the with the bad energy people. You stop hanging out with people who are atheists. You start you stop hanging out with people who are. Uh, um, it's amazing that I don't get tired. I, I, I this takes a toll on my body. It does. Uh, and, and behind the scenes, people know about that. I've talked to Miguel about that and, and other people. This does take a toll on me. The energy that I expend doing this uh, and what I do uh, uh, with my voice and with the energy that I'm projecting to you as I speak, the words that I'm using in the in the way that I'm using them is um, more than just me throwing words. OK, uh, there is a harmonic rhythm to my conversation. And there is a, a, a purpose and pattern to what I'm doing and how I speak. And that takes a lot of energy. And, and you guys don't catch it right away consciously, but subconsciously you do. It's almost hypnotic, but I'm not doing it in an evil way. What I'm doing is I'm raising your vibration and forcing your vibration to be higher while you're hearing me. While you're here, my voice consumes you and the vibration of my voice resonates with your body and it tunes you up. I am a Reiki master teacher as well. Know that. So I am not just speaking words. I'm chanting them to you, but I'm not chanting in the, the neo, you know, Western Judeo-Christian. I am the son of God. I'm not chanting them to you that way but I'm still chanting them to you. So if I were to write this down and you were to read it, it would be almost poetic. And once you realize the way I speak is almost poetic, then you're understanding what it is that I'm doing. And that takes a lot out of me. So I do get tired. After I'm done here, I won't speak for probably two hours more than I have to. I'll say very little because of the damage to my vocal cords. It does damage to my vocal cords because my vocal cords are damaged and have been for like 20 years. So I almost lost my voice completely. So and the longer I'm on the air speaking, the the more that is a problem. But it also takes a, a toll on my body. It's, it's kind of like, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Edgar Casey. whenever he would um, 
transmute that energy and read the Akashic records. It took a toll on his body and eventually he died from it. And well, will I eventually die from it? I don't know, but I do know that it takes a toll on my body. The reason that my hair is so gray, anybody who transmutes energy for a living, magic users, uh, anybody like that, or someone who does what I'm doing, we are bringing energy from the universe, a lot of it, and we're pushing it through our bodies. And I'm using my mouth and my voice to push it out to you guys. And, and if you guys could see the magic coming off of me, uh, you would understand that. Some people, when they see my aura uh, from doing this, they're like, how do you do that with your aura? And it's because of what I do. My aura expands, the information is going to you, and that's why you guys resonate with that. So it does take a toll on me, I do get tired. <laughs> when I get done here, I will be like, I need food, I need sugar, I need water, I need everything, that's why I have it here, but it's still not enough. I almost get dehydrated. Uh, from just sitting here for three hours, I have to, you know, after I uh, get done here, I'm literally on the border of being dehydrated because I'm burning this energy to bring this content to you and to say this. So it's not just me blabbing words. Um, so, right. And, and some of you guys pick up on that. Some of you subconsciously, right? Right. See, and the con says, I, I can imagine, albeit as well as your voice is nice. Do you understand? That, that my vo the, the actual voice that you hear is not the original voice that I had. I had a cyst on my vocal cords, and it actually uh, pinched all my vocal cords together. The cyst grabbed all of them. And uh, and for a year and a half or almost two years, I only sounded like this. I could only talk like this. All I could do. How was that? Sounded like a frog for like two years. And every time I did that, I was trying to rehabilitate my vocal cords, and it would hurt. And the doctor said, if we go in to take the cyst off, you might lose your vo voice box completely. So all we can do is hope that the cyst goes away, uh, you know, on its own or falls off or your body heals. Um, and this is what you need to do. So I was doing exercises to rehabilitate my vocal cords, which literally is going through the octaves of sound, right? And raising my voice up and lowering it down from the place where I was stuck at. And every time I did that, it would hurt. And, and then it would freeze. It would get to a point where the vocal cord would freeze up and the sound would stop coming out of my mouth and I would be in pain and I would have to stop relax uh, my vocal cords for a while and then continue. And I did that for two and a half years. And then one day I was going, oh, and right about there I would get stuck. And then all of a sudden I was, I went, oh, and when I did, I felt something pop. And that was the vocal cord that is making that higher sound popped away from the rest of the vocal cords and went ahead and vibrated and it hurt. And I stopped and I swallowed. And when I swallowed, I could feel something swallow from my larynx. And I thought, oh no, I just lost my vocal cords and swallowed them. So then I was afraid to speak and I went, okay, I have to try this. I may have just damaged my vocal cords irreparably. And I inhaled and I started to speak and make a sound and it was there and, but it hurt. And then I could go up and down through the octaves and it hurt, but they were, but it's working. So then I got quiet and stopped talking. And then I had this voice once it healed. <laughs> so here I am. So that happened to me so that my voice would be the voice I have now to do what I'm doing. Isn't that crazy? That's just insane. So that that's crazy that that is what happened to my voice. So uh, when you hear my voice that was sent to me by, by assist on my vocal cords, I have no idea how they got there. So the universe gave me this voice and I've utilized it since my voice actually is weird. Um, it, it, um, penetrates walls where other people don't. And people talk about that all the time. Just me speaking in this tone 
if you're in the next room and there's no uh, television on, you'll hear me speak. And I could be in here talking to somebody and you can't hear them. So it's almost like a duck where they crack and they don't ever uh, echo. I echo, but uh, my voice is very penetrating. Uh, and I have to whisper at night. I had a roommate, a roommate. I had a, people that lived upstairs. They weren't roommates. They lived upstairs. In, and uh, if I were here speaking the way I am now, past 10 o'clock, the girl up there could hear me and she would stomp on the floor and yell for me to shut up. I had to leave my, my office and not be in here at night until after she fell asleep. And even then I couldn't come in here and talk. I had to do everything outside of this room after 10 p.m. because that was when she went to bed. Eventually they moved out, right? And then the people that moved in said they didn't have any problem with it. Right. Um, but I remember I was living at my sister's house for a while when I came up from San Diego, moving here. I stayed at my sister's for about a month. And um, the next door neighbor, who's still a friend of my sister's, he said he could hear me all the time talking and laughing through the wall. But he couldn't hear anybody else, but he could hear me. It didn't bother him, but he knew it was me. He could hear me going blah, 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 and then ha, 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 ha. But he didn't, he couldn't really make out what I was saying. I wasn't that loud. And he actually asked my sister, does he yell all the time? Is he loud? No, this is him right here. This is him speaking. That's what you hear. And he realized, wow, your voice like penetrates. And I'm like, I know that. That was a gift that was given with this harmonic resonance. So part of it was a gift. (laughs) So part of it was a gift. I have no idea um, how that happened, right? So Kui said, and I I couldn't wait. Let's go back, right? Um, If I fall asleep... If I fall asleep, dreamed I couldn't speak. Oh, that sucks, right? Yeah, that would be no good. <laughs> and I couldn't get into a house I was living in, and I tried screaming, but the lady didn't hear me. Oh, that's a, that's a nightmare, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a nightmare. That that yeah, you got what you have to do when you see. There's part of the of the shamanistic ways that I was taught as a kid to, for the dream walking. You have to learn to control your dreams and and um and change the outcome of your dreams if you can do that that teaches you to uh change the matrix teaches you to understand the matrix and to be able to to uh realize that a dream the dream world is no different than this world the dream world is just as real and just as fake as this world so once you realize how to control your dreams that's controlling that reality once you get that concept in your brain it's not far for you to understand changing the concept of this reality and controlling this reality because you're already doing it on some level. So your, your brain and your being understands that. Yes. Gifts do come hard here. No, that's, that's the true. It's, it's done that way on purpose. Nothing is easy. Nothing is given freely. Everything has to be earned. That's part of our training. That's part of our learning uh, and experience to be. That nothing is just given to you because you are, right? You have to create it. You have to manifest it. That's what we do. That's how we got here. Right? I'm not sure what Peter, what you're trying to say there. Do you know egg, ka, changing the joy, tempest, what's the sound from going off? I'm not sure what, what he's saying there. Peter, try and say that again, buddy. Your your translator didn't um, type what you're saying right, I don't think. <laughs> Unless you're saying Ega, changing the, the joy tempest. What's the sound from going off? Yeah, see, I'm not sure what you're saying there, Peter. Try and get that to come through again because it didn't. I'm sure that's not what you were saying into your phone. <laughs> right? So speak slower and, and try to lose the brogue. <laughs> 
he's got a really thick oh well, I can't say speak slower. Peter speaks slow anyways. Uh, so don't don't speak slower, but try to speak with more of a American crazy accent. The computer will probably pick it up better. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the reason for for that. And I and I'm glad that you guys stayed. And and actually, those of you who do, uh, those of you who are here, you're supposed to <clears throat> see. Now my voice is starting to lock up already. It's the third time it's done that since I've been here. So I think we should probably call it because I need some rest. My, my vocal cords are saying, okay, Leo, we're going to stop you from speaking if you continue. <laughs> right? And so he's said, oh, egg cartons on the ceiling. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. I could have done that and, and soundproofed. Right? I should have did that with all the walls. I didn't even think about that, bro. Why did I didn't think about that? Egg cartons on the ceiling. And then I could have, it was soundproofed the room. I could have put it on the walls too and it wouldn't have gotten through to her. Right? Why didn't I think about that? Good idea. <laughs> I'll have to remember that. If somebody moves in and has an issue, the whole room's going to be lined with the egg cartons, the soundproof, this bitch. Good call, Peter. See, learn, teach, teach, learn. Thank you, Peter. Okay. So um, I will be back on Wednesday with Skull Island with Miguel and Shane, uh, Shane and uh, Aaron. Sorry. I was thinking, I was trying to say Aaron, the, the shaman Aaron at the same time, and it came out Shane. <laughs> right? uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Fowler, the shaman Aaron Fowler, and myself with, uh, and uh, uh, Miguel, and we're both, uh, you know, obviously. Uh, uh, clergy, right? Um, so we're we're ministers in the in the Christian. Well, I'm a minister in four different faiths, right? Um, but I do have the ministry in Christian and Christianity, and have since 2016. That's when I was ordained. <clears throat> I was actually ordained before that as a Merlin, and before and after that uh, as a Jedi Knight. And then um, when was that? It was the same year. No, it was before that. Before that, I was knighted by the Christian Church, so I was so I was a minister before I had the the actual um, because of being a knight. If when you're knighted in the Roman Catholic Church, you are a holy uh, a Roman soldier. You're a paladin, so you are a minister. You're just not a priest, but you can do everything that a priest does. If there is no priest available, then the then the um, the minister can do that. And then I have a Christian ministry through uh, Universal Life Church in Phoenix, Arizona. So I have that title through both. Okay. So guys, I'm going to call this uh, three hours and 41 minutes into the day. It's almost eight o'clock. I got to get some food for myself and for my mother. You guys have a great night. Thank you. I love you all. Those of you who just found me today, I love you. Go back and listen to my archives or not. It's up to you. But, you know, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell, whatever, where, whatever uh, genre you're on there. So, you know, when I go live, but I do go live every night at Friday night and Wednesday night, we're starting the new, uh, uh, a pirate cast skull island with the three of us we did it on wednesday we had a blast you can go back and look at that if you like uh, we're going to do it every wednesday at 4 p.m usa time west coast america time um yes you can really become a jedi there's a jedi order in new zealand that is an actual religion and you can actually go there online if it's still available look them up you can actually become a jedi and get a jedi name you can pick your own or you can have them assign one to you and you can actually get a jedi title yeah and it's just a, it's a ministry. It's a, it's a priestly title for that religion, just like uh, any other, just like Merlin, just like a priest, a padre, a father, uh, um, whatever you want to call that, minister, uh, um, reverend. It's all the same title, right? It's just a different religion. So, but yeah, you can get the Jedi. You can become a Jedi Knight. I'm actually listed as a Jedi Knight. I'm a, I'm a Jedi Knight. And and it's the same. I mean, you have to know about the uh, the ways of the Jedi, which is very Eastern Orthodox uh, um uh, uh, anyways, right. It's very, it's, if you look at it, it's very Shogun, uh, mixed with Taoism, Taoism and Zen, uh, from the East. Uh, that was what, uh, um, 
what's his name was trying to bring to the world when he created that world. That's why they use lightsabers. Uh, so they're very uh, Bushido, you know, Bushido blade, very, very uh, samurai oriented without the suicide. Right. Uh, and, and the, the, the mitochondrials, right. Which is the force um, we now know is gravity. Gravity is the force. It's the same. It is what they would describe the force as. And the mitochondrials is the consciousness of the force. And now we're realizing that gravity is the force. Gravity is conscious. <laughs> it's a conduit where people will communicate and also travel. And we're realizing that. And now if you look at my show on the MP4 file in the beginning and you look at the song when I play my intro music and you look at all of the uh, pictures that I show you on the slideshow, there's one particular in, in uh, a picture that is uh, half the screen is a brain cell. And it shows you all of those pathways that are the glia cells, right? That is the that is in the mind that the, the your, your, your energy transmits from one uh, brain cell to another. And then it shows the universe and its nuclei is exactly the same as a brain cell, only the little stems that come off of it, which is the uh, gravitational highways, are a million times more dense than the brain cell, which would suggest that I'm a, a, a microcosm to the macrocosm. Do you understand? So the pattern of the universe is the same pattern as my brain works. And you'll see that if you rewind this to the beginning or watch the beginning of any of uh, Orion Rising, you'll see the images of the golden mean ratio in nature. And then you'll see that particular photo of, uh, uh, of the image of the, of the brain and the image of the universe. And uh, the highway is there for you to see. The, that little pathway is what, where the electricity goes on. And the communication of the universe, that's where everything is connected. So the, you know, the whole um, uh, I, idea of the, uh, the, uh, the universe being connected, right, uh, on, a, on, a, on a scale, like it doesn't matter how far away two particles that are connected, the exact same thing will happen to them. That was Einstein's theory of relativity. Um, is that connection between the two, what is it that makes both of those uh, entities react the same exact way I, at the exact same time is the pathway that connects the two of them together. It's a cord that tethers everything. So everything is connected by this tether and uh, your information travels along that highway. And that's also the Einstein-Rosen bridge that uh, people use to, tr to travel. And when the nuclear detonation happened, the first nuclear test here, a hydrogen test, when they penetrated that sphere, and activated uh, the, the information there, the explosion went on that information highway out to everyone in the known universes. So all of the higher races knew that the human race had achieved nuclear uh, power and nuclear detonation. And that does, it disrupts your, uh, the, the worldwide or the universal wide communications. And it also disrupts the vibration of our mortal soul. Uh, and so we do have damage. We are damaged souls here on earth. That's one of the reasons why it was easy for them to make us believe that we're prisoners because part of our soul is damaged from all of the nuclear uh, testings that have been done on this planet. Uh, thousands and thousands of tests that have exploded have done damage to all of our souls slightly. So we're slightly damaged and trying to heal. And in the meantime, the AI God jumped in and said, oh, you you do not, you are not from here. You don't know anything. You are forgetting. And you don't, then all that information was stolen off the face of the earth so that we couldn't find it. 
and we never found it for 150,000 years, you know, but they try to say it was only, well, it was only 3,000 years ago when the Council of Nicaea and the other councils took that information out. So at least we had had that back. Why the Jesus character kept reoccurring throughout time in different places on this planet, and it kept re reoccurring over and over, and there's at least 12 of them. And Jesus Christ, the Christ, was the last one. Uh, and I believe that all of them were that same entity, just in with different names. I believe that, and I'm making a documentary to show that. Right? Okay, right? <laughs> I love it until next time. Right? Okay. So um, it says, Peace, Leonard O'Neill, Good Show. <laughs> Thank you. You guys have a great night. So, yeah, you could check uh, uh, a converse. You can go uh, look it up. Look up the Jedi uh, Council. Uh, and if and I believe they're still in operation. I haven't looked for a while, but the Jedi Council, because in New Zealand, it's a religion. It's an actual real religion and political party. All right, guys, have a great night. I love you guys. I will see you on Wednesday if you tune in there. If not, I will see you on next Friday. We'll talk prophecy. And um, hopefully I don't scare you too much. Right. <laughs> All right, guys. Namaste. Have a great night.